Mike Murphy, Fred Hubner, Murph and Fred back together again on ESPN 1000. Took me a while to take off all the rain gear. Hey, Fred. I didn't wear any. I was hoping it'd be over with by uh, noon, and hopefully it will be. And then I'll just have I'll just be blown across the street with the high winds coming this way. Fifty mile an hour wind gusts uh-huh. for a little while. Uh, and Fred, usually hey. it rains on Easter, but that- now it might snow on Easter. So you know who knows. <laughs> How you doing, everybody? Mike Murphy, Fred Hubner, and busy, busy three hours coming up every Saturday night till noon, 332-3776. Yes, yes, plenty of Rambler talk. Uh, 9.30, we're going to have oh, one of our favorite guys, sometimes uh, Loyola Rambler beat guy, the one, the only. Uh, it'll, we're going to go down... Because he's in San Antonio, right? That's a good place to be. Mm-hmm. That's where the Final Four is. Okay. Right there along the river walk. Hopefully nobody fell in last night. <laughs> Steve Greenberg. That's ten, is that 10.30 or 9.30 there, uh, EO? 10.30, 30 Cool, yeah. cool. And a little more uh, Loyola, Loyola Ramblers talk. I, I do both. I say Loyola I know you do. And then, I, and then in the next beat, I'll go Loyola. Uh-huh. So smack me. Uh, 11 At o'clock. least you don't say Loyola Chicago. The, f- the first game. The second game is uh, Kansas against Villanova, uh, Philadelphia. Oh, uh, uh, no, I'm sorry. The, the first game for Loyola of the tournament, uh-huh. uh, the analyst guy, he just called him Chicago a few times. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Chicago leading 28 27. <laughs> I didn't know what to call him. Yeah, I don't know if the Bulls could actually beat any of these teams. <laughs> three, three, two, three, seven, seven, six. But they did do the wrong thing yesterday, apparently, from uh, everybody's. What everybody wants them to do and win last night is, hmm. you know, whoever, if anybody, you know, I bet you a majority of Bulls fans have no idea who, I have to remember his name, who Sean Kilpatrick is. Right. I saw him, don't worry, this is our Bulls talk for the day. For the decade. I saw him a game previously, only because he's, someone's wearing number zero. Zero, I go, right. who's it? Orlando Woolridge. <laughs> the big O. And Loyola Rambler talk around 11 o'clock, one of the biggest Loyola fans, you'll know the guy's name when I say it. He's not involved in basketball. One of the proud, uh, many proud graduates of Loyola, Bruce Miles. Wait, I know that name. Yep. A longtime baseball guy at the Daily Herald. And uh, he just loves his Ramblers. So plenty of Ramblers to uh, pepper in over the next three hours. Uh, but let's start and then get to, by the way, Fred, don't worry. I stayed up and watched the Cubs game, so you didn't have to. I'm sorry I did. I watched it, too. I'm but sorry? I kept telling my wife, I said, <laughs> don't worry, this Cub game starts at 6. It'll be over by 8.30, 9 o'clock. We'll yeah. be able to watch whatever you'd like. And I was still telling her that at 11.40. I have it as 5 hours, 18 minutes, but I don't have the official, not that anybody cares. But uh, that's what I jotted down when it ended. They used to put it in the box score, but they don't all the time anymore, and only in the papers. And, of course, the, they don't have the box score because the game no, ended game at en- 11.20. Yeah, the game ended a little bit too late. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Marlins beat the Cubs 2-1 in 17. Mm. It's uh, a tough luck, lo- a tough luck mm. loss for Eddie Butler. Yeah, or a tough love loss. Uh. 17, seven, uh, seven innings of four hits. Mm-hmm. He's gone longer than any yeah. pitcher in the Cubs in the first two days. He pitched better than anybody in the Cubs the last two days, and uh, yep. he gets nothing to show for it. We watched it, so uh, you were able to go to bed early. Early. Mervyn, it's Friday night. I'm going to bed early. 
I plan to be in bed by 11.20. Let me mm-hmm. just say that, as Fred mentioned, starting at uh, actually 6.10, I think, was the official yep. start. Uh, uh, we'll get right back to the Cubs and Sox. We've got Loyola, bottom of the hour, last to cover. Jesse, the little guy, Jesse Rogers from Florida uh, at 10 o'clock. Let's go to the Murph and Fred Fan Focus Group Twitter poll. Vote now at ESPN 1000, 9 a.m. Vote for question NCAA fans, who are you? Could have played the uh, who right there. Who are you? But, uh-huh. ah. I think CSI's got a uh, got the. Property I bet the who that. made more money on that alone than everything else they, they may ever have. did. They may have. They had three different CSI they shows did. and they used three different yes. who songs. Yes, they did. Uh-huh. NCAA fans, who are you? Who are you? A, B, C, or D? A. I'm a diehard NCAA expert. B. I watch NCAA basketball all year long. C, who are you? I only watch March Madness. D, I'm only watching Loyola. Okay. All right, vote now. Add is pay 1000 And Fred, I've noticed, and I know you can uh, uh, dovetail on this, you don't hear the phrase March Madness as much anymore. Well, you shouldn't because it's actually not, you know, they had to borrow it. College, uh, they stole college it. basketball stole it from the state of Illinois. I think they finally uh, gave a little payment yeah. residual to IHSA. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know the history of that. Give us a thumbnail. Yeah, well, it's, it's, you know, every time I go down to Peoria, the announcer, his name's Paul, I can't remember his last uh-huh. name, but the uh, stadium announcer yeah. down in Peoria, he, uh, he says the original home for March Madness, and the March Madness was Started down in uh, you know here in Illinois by for the state father. tournament by your father? No, not that one. Oh no, he no. started so many things. He I did, thought, but I didn't start March Madness. I, I was thought, already uh, there. Frederick Hubner the uh-uh. uh, second or junior, junior. started. Yeah, that. no, he didn't start this one. But uh, yeah, this was down there for quite a while. And uh, back in the mid early sixties. Oh, I think it might even have been earlier than that. I'll double check, but I I know that it started here in Chicago, and and for the longest time they were a little upset that. Um, uh, NCAA commandeered. Yeah, the NCAA just basically took it over. Yeah. So, and then after uh, you know, sort of like squatters' rights, they just kept using it so much that it was theirs. And then finally, Illinois well, tried to like stop them or sue them. And, well, there's uh, here the phrase was confined to the Illinois high school until '82 when Brent Musburger used it during his network's NCAA coverage. So well, Brent he heard stole it, it here in Chicago. Right. Brent stole it. The IHSA, meanwhile, applied to trademark it in 89. So, <laughs> yeah. But it's March Madness, and it'll be fun. And it comes. The Loyal, we've got the uh, last three games of the tournament right here on ESPN 1000. Two tonight, including that Loyola game right. at 509. Let's get to the bad news here. Cubs lose in 17 innings, 2-1, to one, to the Marlins, who have traded away or shipped away their four best uh, players. All right? Stanton, D. Gordon, Ozuna, and uh, Yellish. Yep. All right? So they got basically nothing. Uh-huh. So lovely Dana, biggest Cub fan I've ever met, bigger than me, bigger than... Lovely Dana, so, you know, she gets up early every day, so she pulls the plug about the uh, 12th inning. Uh-huh. All right. So I'm up this morning, 5, 5.15, getting ready to catch, catch the morning uh, train, you know, the Metra. So, just as I'm heading out the door this morning, about 6 o'clock, I hear her getting up. She's upstairs getting up. She pokes her head out and goes, <laughs> just, we lost to the Blank and Marlins? Yep. Yeah. That's what happened. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It was not pretty. 
It was not a pretty game, and there were uh, there weren't tons of opportunities to score. But, no, uh, there the, were... the Cubs had men on base. Yeah, they had men. On, they had men on third base. Here, how about this? Uh, these numbers: Anthony Rizzo, zero for seven. Uh huh. One strikeout. Javi Baez, zero for seven. Never looked worse. Two strikeouts. We'll get uh-huh. to him. Yep. You're right. Uh, cleanup hitter Wilson Contreras. One for seven. At least he got a hit. Yep. Two strikeouts. So Rizzo, Contreras, and Baez, one for 21. <laughs> That's no good, huh? No. What else do we have? We well, got to look here. They had eight hits in the game, okay? Kyle Schwarber, while he was in the game, 0 for 4 with three Ks. Yeah. They had eight hits in the game. Two of their guys had three of the hits. Russell, three. 0 for 3 while he was in the game. Hayward, 0 for 3 with two Ks. To let him even bat against a lefty, you know how they do the intentional walk where they put four fingers up right. and you don't have to throw? If he's batting against a lefty, you know what they had to do? Put three fingers up. You're, you're already struck out. Don't bother wasting our time. The intentional strikeout. Here's a stat that you might be interested in. Did I say hap? Uh, uh, no, ahead. you didn't. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, here's a stat you may be interested in. Through two games, the Cubs are two for 22 with runners in scoring position. They got 30 strikeouts in two games. Well, they had twenty. Yeah, that's a record. Yeah, uh, but they're they're two for twenty two with runners in scoring position. That's and that's the one thing they, they want to work on this year. So you know they got a long way to go. How about Ian Happ? One hundred and sixty more games. Ian Happ since the home run. <laughs> yeah, and I would never discredit anyone that could hit a major league home run, right? Because I couldn't hit one probably in wiffle ball. Uh-huh. But the home run, he hit the first pitch. He was sitting on fastball, dead red, boom, home run. Fun, terrific. First pitch of the season because the Cubs had the earliest starting right. time, right? Right. Since the home run, Ian Happ, six strikeouts in eight at bats. Yep. That's no good. Ah, uh, Chili Davis. No. He's, he's working it for him. That's my second question when <laughs> Jesse comes on. Okay. Did Chili Davis make the trip? What the? His whole thing. We're bringing in Chili Davis. For, uh, you know, situational hitting because we haven't been good at it. You know, making contact, getting a man in from third. Jason Hayward, he's up with first and third one out in like the 14th, 15th inning. And he hit it sharply, but right to the first baseman, all right? Yep. First and third one out. You just got to get the ball up in the air, but it's against the lefty. He's got no prayer. So he hits a, a sharp two hopper to the first baseman, right? First and third uh-huh. one out. Caratini on third. All right. First baseman gloves it. He's right at him. But, you know, he struck it well. Oh, hard hit. So he steps on first. Two out. You know what Caratini does? Yeah, gave himself up. He starts running home about the time that the first baseman actually has the ball in his glove. Yeah. Going to first. So he goes about halfway home. And then, like you just said, Fred, you explain what he does. He gave himself up. He just kind of, like, walked into the tag. He walked home. All you had to do, there was already an out at first. So the runner that was at first could have come back. Right. Okay. Sure. He could have come back to first, and you could have gone back to third base. Oh, you create got a, yourself in a rundown. You create a hot box. You got to get yourself in, stuck in a pickle. He takes, he takes, <laughs> I've been there many times, yes. but not in baseball. Uh-huh. Mostly on the radio. Yeah, so Caratini, oh, he's a rookie. Duh. My God, he's in a 
big leagues. Did he ever play running bases as a kid? Of course The not. object of the game is to not be tagged out. He walked into the catcher. The catcher stood there. He gave and up. he walked right into him. I, I didn't. I'm glad you mentioned it because I was going to mention it if you didn't. I, I, I had never seen something like that. Well, I'm sorry. I have seen something like that. But you would have thought that if you're, you're Caratini and you're up here. He took 10 steps, 10 right. walking steps. Yeah, Chris Jimenez might not have done that. So you might want to be careful what you do. You turn around, you're getting a rundown, make him throw it a couple of times. And then you know what it is? Anything can happen day. Sure. Yep. What's going on? Oh, the, so the second question I'm going to ask Jesse at 10 you know, uh, what? Uh, where's Chili Davis? Uh-huh. The first question, what's going on with Joe Madden's hair again? And then I'm going to say, Jesse, you're probably the wrong guy to ask about hair. <laughs> huh? <laughs> Have you seen Joe's hair? Now he, he He's got kind, of a, kind of a black buzz cut right now. Well, he did the uh, Mount St. Baldy or whatever. St. Baldrick's for the uh, right. for yeah for uh, childhood cancer. All right. Mm-hmm. So that was on the 17th or so, 15th. So that's uh, two weeks and two and a half weeks. Now the hair, he's starting to do that. He's already dying it. You, I, I, I thought thing. he was going to let it grow out for a while before he dyed it, but he's he's dying it pretty soon. Pretty Remember quickly the survey afterwards. we took? The, I mean, the uh, Murphy and Fred fan focus group Twitter poll. Vote right now, NCAA fans. Who are you? Diehard NCAA expert. You watch games all year, NCAA basketball. See, only watch March Madness. I just like to hear Fred talk about uh, Brett Musburger. Brett Musburger. He stole it. D. I only watch Loyola. We had a survey, Twitter poll. Uh huh. Do you like Joe Madden's hair, white or black? Right. It was like eighty-two percent white. Sure. Hey, it's his hair. Do what you want. Yeah. Fred, I get. I'm. He's going to go great no matter what happens if they continue to not hit with runners in scoring position. How can Hap have six strikeouts and eight at bats? He tore up spring training. I've told you, never pay any attention to spring training. I'm not saying a kid's going to strike out six out of every eight at bats. No. But they're not doing anything like we were told that Chili Davis was going to have them do. Now, granted... It is just two games in. Maybe they were a little overconfident. So maybe after losing game two to the Marlins, they'll <laughs> come out and hit the heck out of the ball today for you, Darvish, who they say already needs to go seven or eight innings because the bullpen is a shambles. Well, there is no bullpen. So here's what happened. Uh, these days, when you use a guy two days in a row, you hate to use him the third day right. for arm rest. All right? You can argue that in the old days, whatever. That's the that's pretty much cut and dried these days. So, the Cubs have eight guys in a bullpen, as most teams do. Eight guys in a bullpen. They used Edwards yesterday and today, so he's basically out. Montgomery yesterday and today, he's basically out. And Wilson, who looks like he's got it back pretty much. Yeah, he wasn't bad. Two days in a row, so he's out. Brendan Morrow... The closer who threw two pitches and coughed up a hold. He didn't get a blown save. Brendan uh, Morrow, whatever his first name, Brandon Morrow. They said he was up and down so many times in the bullpen. Even though he threw two pitches, he's not available today. Yeah, that surprised me a little bit. Well, you don't know anything because the TV doesn't tell you anything. I'm telling you. But he was only up for two pitches. I mean, he only threw two pitches. I don't care how many times he was up. He's a major league player. No, no, Fred, you can't say that because they get lathered up there throwing hard. I can say it. I can say whatever I want. 
He threw two pitches. Okay, you can if say they need it, him, if but, they, they, but they ain't listening. He pitched, <laughs> he pitched every game in the World Series. That's why they're babying him still and threw out yeah, spring yeah, training. Yeah. Well, yeah. you can say from that. November. He's but only had he's only had December, January, and February. They're not going to change, and most of March to recover. I'm just telling you what's going to happen. I know it's silly, but yeah. all right. So Edwards is unavailable. Montgomery's unavailable back to back. Wilson's unavailable back to back. Morrow, they've already stated, is unavailable. And uh, Butler, your long man, threw 90 pitches. So he can't pitch probably for three days. Threw more than anybody on the Cubs in the first two games. That leaves you with three guys in the bullpen today. Strope, Ciszek, and uh, Dunsing, the lefty. How's that sound? And Dunsing pitched in the opener. Well, that was, yeah. Yeah. Strope, Ciszek, and Dunsing all right. pitched all in game one. All the guys who pitched in game one, right. But, right. So they're available. So you got three guys in a bullpen. How about this Butler? He pitches seven innings. The Butler did it. He never looked better in a Cub uniform. No. He looked great yesterday. Somewhere here in my vast amount of uh, notes. Here it is. Uh, Butler, seven innings, four hits. Yep. One walk, five Ks. And then instead of being in line for a victory, or no, in, in comes Morrow and, and coughs up against the loss. Yep. You know it's starting to irritate me. Seven strong innings. You know, it's really irritating me. You know it burns my butt a flame about three feet high. So you watch the game on TV. And I'm sure Len Casper's a nice fellow. I've met him. You know, nice guy. And Jim Deshazy's nice enough to come on with us once or twice a year, you know? Yep. I don't think it's lazy. Or if the producer tells them not to do things because no one cares. You know, like you were on, we got some sound bites. You were great with Commissioner, uh, what's his name? Manfred. Or, whatever. Rob Manfred. You were great with him. He got You You were the stone in his shoe. You irritated him. And I liked it. Just ask him the questions that we talk about all the time. So, you know, forgive me for living. But whoever's in charge of the uh, TV for the Cubs game yesterday. Were they on 9 or Comcast? Whatever. Yesterday they were on 9. Good old Channel 9. Yeah. Whoever the producer is. If you're listening. Or someone's listening. How about telling me at home what's happening? Oh, you know, don't worry about guys like Murphy. You know, they're not our, they don't skew our demo. So don't tell too much things such as, uh, who's in the game? How can they do a game and not tell you who's in the game? Hey, look, Javi's at short. I understand, like, radio spring training went in the eighth inning. Oh, nobody cares. You know, when all nine guys in there are number 90, yeah. and they're all in a bus from the from the Class A uh, field down the street that you don't bother saying who's playing. I understand that. This is a major league ball game. I'm watching your TV and your commercials for five hours and 18 minutes. They they move, as you just said, Fred. Go ahead. What happens? Well, Baez is over at short. Well, Where's Russell? So, so in, the, in the like tenth inning, yeah, they make Joe makes multiple changes. One of the multiple changes they bring in uh, Wilson. They do some double switches. They're moving guys around so that 
He can save the bullpen by not having the pitcher coming up to bat in the next inning if anyone knows what a double switch really uh, uh, accomplishes. But uh, then you got to move a guy out and put him on the bench so that the new guy can bat where the pitcher was. Blah, blah. Cow jumps over the moon. In the 10th inning, they move Baez from second to short, take Russell out of the game to put the new pitcher, Wilson, in so that with the pitcher slot coming up, you, you, you don't have to have him in the game. You, you, so what happens? Three innings later, three innings later, they finally, Jim Deshaye says, Hey, look, Baez is over at short. Yep. This is like an hour later. Uh-huh. How long has he been there at short? Now he puts his partner in a pickle. Yep. Because, number one, he didn't tell anybody. And now he's got to say, well, for about a half hour, I guess we forgot to tell anybody. But, no, he doesn't do that. And I guess he w- I wouldn't either at that point. He says, oh, uh, that was in the double switch back when uh, uh, Wilson came in. But that was the 10th inning. This uh, is like the 13th inning. Yep. They don't care. They don't tell you who's batting where. All right. 90% of the people don't care. You know what? I'm really watching the game. I enjoy watching the game. Don't care about those guys. They don't matter. Just tell jokes. Just tell stories like Manfred Mann says or whatever his name is. We got to do, do the demos and worry about all this stuff. Fred, you really irritated the commissioner. Well, it's not, it wasn't, it's not that hard. Just ask him the questions we ask all year long. So It seems like, for some reason... Baseball's trying to get the millennials more interested in the game. And the only thing that I'm trying to say is if people don't like the game and they're 25 or 28 or 30 or 32, shortening the game by 10 or 15 minutes is not going to get them to like the game that they've never liked in the past. What exactly are they, are you trying to do by reducing the time and the pace of play and things like that? Well, look, if, if I was focused, let me say several things. If I was focused solely on millennials. He's flustered. I would be doing vastly different things than we're doing. Probably more radical things, okay? What we're trying to do, and and I tried to say this just a minute ago, is we're trying to move the game forward, okay? And I'll talk about why in just a second, while preserving our core, long-time audience that is generally resistant to any change in the game. That's why we have drawn this line between... Getting rid of bedtime, just where there's inaction in the game, on the one hand, which we think is good, which makes the game move along, um, and avoided, on the other hand, changes that are more radical that could affect the outcomes of games. So we're, 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 we believe me, nobody's more interested in that core long-time audience than I am, number one. Number two, why are we concerned about pacing games? You know what? We are research-driven, Okay. What we do is we talk to our fans, we do quantitative research, we do focus groups to figure out what different kinds of fans like. Okay, Interesting, in the ballpark, pace of game is not an issue. People who actually go to the ballpark, and why is that? Common sense, right? There's a lot of great things that go on in our ballpark. You can go get refreshments, there's entertainment, there's things going on, you can talk to the people you're with. Excuse me. In contrast, our broadcast audience continually, continually tells us the number one concern with our broadcast is dead time in the game. 
Oh, it's not like I'm trying that my goal is to get from 307, which is what we were last year, to 245. The length of the game is determined by a lot of things that happen. How much offense, how many home runs, how many strikeouts, that you're never going to change. What I am interested in is shortening those periods of dead time because every single one of those is an opportunity for our broadcast audience to tune away from the game. All right, stop. I can't take any more. Good job, Fred Hubner, earlier this week with Commissioner Rob Manfred. Nice enough to the commissioner to come on ESPN 1000. It's amazing that he said that the people that go to games are not affected by the pace of play at all because they're there. The only people that are, compl- are complaining about it are the people that are watching it on TV. You know what they're doing, though? They're still watching it on TV. Yeah. So I mean, we, we are we are research-driven. I understand that. The whole world's research-driven. Here's an idea. Tell me when Javi Baez is moved from second to short, not 35 minutes later when you go, oh, look at that, I didn't know that. Maybe that's something that can fill your... Time. See, but be and and we didn't. We only had the commissioner for a certain period of time. And the things I didn't have a chance to say is, I agree with him on most of the things. I would have changed. I would have put in the pitch clock. I think the pitch clock for twenty to twenty five seconds is fine. They're pitching quicker now. I, I like them They're coming back it. quicker from commercials. Yeah, yeah. That's right. all great. I like all that stuff. But I'm, you know, if you're trying to appeal to a certain group yeah. of fans by doing it, it's not going to work. Let's go to uh, John in uh, Rolling Meadows. Uh, Loyola talk coming up in a few minutes from the site in San An. Oh no, that's ten thirty. Yes, my bad, John. Sorry, I'm all jacked up here on my weekly half cup of coffee. That'll do it when you only have one half cup a week. John, I'm sorry, Rolling Meadows, go. You know. Hi guys, thanks for taking the call. Sure. First of all, I'm I'm a Sox fan and. Uh, I, I think I'm spoiled because we have probably the best color commentator in the game and Steve Stone sitting up there, and, and he knows what he's talking about. Number, But the reason I'm calling in is Madden's got to stop going to the bullpen in the third and fourth inning. He's got to rely on his starters to go deeper into the game, number one, on a daily basis and get try to get out of trouble. Number two... You don't use a setup man as a closer. And I'm, I'm sorry, but Morrill is a setup man. Well, hold he was on, a setup hold man on. last hold year. Hold on, John. Can I ask you a couple follow-ups for up against the clock? Love your call. Don't hang up. Stay on. Number one, game one, Hendricks won 88 pitches. You That's can't not keep... enough. You could have thrown him out for the seventh. They never do it on the first start of the yeah. year. Just say, hey, I don't say I agree or disagree. That's the facts of life. They Caleb don't... Smith threw 100. So i just just going to uh, say. All right, fine. And yesterday, and uh, uh, that was uh, last night, game one, Lester, he had nothing. He had about 71 pitches. What are you going to do? Yeah, you he, know, was he was brutal. getting hit. So uh, just to say the counterpoint, John, not to argue, just counterpoint, sometimes you can't leave the starter in. Plus, you're going to go 162 games. They're each going to have 32 starts. Second thing is, Morrow is your closer. Doesn't matter if he's never closed before. What did you have a better idea for yesterday, by the way, for the Cubs? Well, first of all, during the offseason. What were you going to do? Have have over, I asked you one question. Oh, get off my phone. Murph and Fred back in a flash. ESPN 1000. Sort of a gloomy day. Glad you're with us. Murph and Fred till noon. Plenty of Loyola coming up momentarily. I want to talk about the White Sox with Fred. Let's get the results 
of our uh, first half hour Murph and Fred fan focus group Twitter poll. We'll bring in uh, Eric Ostrowski. NCAA fans, you just voted. Uh, who are you? Uh, you're the diehard NCAA expert. B, you watch NCAA basketball all year. C, you really only watch March Madness. D, I'm only watching Loyola. Uh, Fred, what do you think the fans said, or did you vote? Uh, what do you want to do? I here? think they're going to say they only watch March Madness. Okay. Uh, it's going to be the big the. Uh, that would be the one. big winner? Uh-huh. All right, That's I agree I with you. And then, D, uh, I only watch Loyola, number two. Well, we'll find out. Let's go over now to the other side of the glass. EO11. <laughs> EO11. Eric, what did the fans say? All right, on the bottom with only 3% are your diehard NCAA uh, experts. And those are uh, the real gamblers. I'm just kidding. Yeah. Right. Or so, maybe I'm not. In third with 19% are only watching Loyola. In second Ooh, with sorry. 30%. Me, I'm sorry. Let me, 19%. I, 19. I thought that might be higher. Okay. Um, and then 30% watch all year long. And 48%, so that's the most, uh, are only watching March Madness. You're right, Fred. Yep. Pretty obvious. Only when they can make money easily by or, or lose money easily by uh, getting a pool. And uh, vote right now, Murph and Fred Focus Group Twitter poll for this half hour. Extra inning baseball. All right, 17 innings last night, five hours, uh, about 18 minutes. Extra inning baseball. Vote now at ESPN 1000A. I love bonus baseball. By the way, I hate that phrase. Oh, I was kidding. I'm glad oh. you. I was going to say it next. I've never used it. Can't I, either have I. No, no. I, I didn't even use it here. The Twitter poll used it. Yeah, I'm not I, sure who wrote those. Hey, I love bonus baseball, extra inning baseball. B, it's too long and boring. C, it needs to be modernized. All right, whatever that word means, we'll find out. Uh, I did tweet out. While. I did tweet out last night. Uh, and and I never thought I would say this, mm -hmm. but I did tweet out last night as I go back to make sure I say it. Here's what my tweet uh, 11 hours ago, so it was probably about the 11th inning. I said, okay, when do they start the inning with a runner at second? Yeah. And I'm not for that, never have been for it, until I sat and watched eight innings of extra inning baseball last night. Then I said, you know what? Uh, not a bad idea, maybe. I hate extra inning baseball. It's got to be changed, and it will be changed. And here's why. Among a million reasons. All right, look at the NFL. They used to have tie games, right? Yep. Do they still? No, yep. maybe. But yeah, yeah they still, still, still but ties. But it's almost impossible now. It's tough. You got to go the extra 15 yeah, minutes. Yeah, you play an scoring. extra quarter. Right. That's it's, it's almost impossible. But yes. But basically, they got rid of ties, right? Two, hockey, the NHL, they had tie games for the first 50, 60 years of their existence, the NHL. They should bring them back because what they do now where you get a point when you lose in a shootout is the dumbest rule I've ever heard. Oh, that's to encourage teams to try to win in regulation time, no? So you don't just sit on it. Uh, there's okay. some strategy behind it, but they no longer have ties, all right? Uh NBA, they've never had ties because no. they've always just said play five more minutes, five more minutes. Right. But you know what? They score hundreds of points in the game. But baseball is different because of the pitching and using it. Now, see here, and that, now that hooks onto the part B. I'm talking about using them. See, again, not a, 20, 30 years ago and there before, your pitchers, Fred, as you well know, they were, see, now everyone in your bullpen almost is a one inning guy. 
right? Now you can say, I hate it, that's stupid, they're major leaguers. It doesn't matter. Right now, that's the facts of life. That's the way they do it. Most of your pitchers are yeah. geared up for one inning. Right. And they're all getting paid millions, even the 12th guy on your, uh, in your uh, 13th guy, you know, on your... Yeah, go pitcher. on in there, throw as hard as you can. And hurt your arm. For one inning. Well, right, but... Yeah. Don't go two or three innings because they're just not geared up. And that's no one's fault. That's that's the way it is. Every team used to have a bunch of Eddie, relievers. Eddie Butlers. Yeah. It used to have, you know, the three guys at the end of your bullpen were old, failed starting pitchers that were still hanging on. You could have a 20-inning game back when I was a kid and two pitchers would pitch. One guy would go nine, the next guy would go ten. Yeah. Point is now... When you go to these extra innings, 14, 15, 16, 17, you're blowing up your bullpen. As we mentioned, the Cubs only have three guys available in the bullpen tonight. Uh, in their estimation, right or wrong, that's, that right or wrong, that's the way it is. They got Strope, they got the Cishek, and they got the Dunsing. Now, the next thing that happens is now you used to have six, seven guys on your bench, position players. Now you got three in the catcher. So you get an extra innings, and you got to have the pitcher hitting all the time. Yeah. Instead of pinch hit for him, pinch hit for him. And didn't look bad, but he's a, you know, pinch hit for him, pinch hit for him. So there's a million reasons, plus nobody wants to watch these days, including me, who wants to watch 17 innings of baseball. It decimates your bullpen, and it, uh, you know, you got nobody on the bench. But here's the question, okay? Why is it that yeah. the game of baseball should change as opposed to the way that the teams run things? If the teams each had two or three guys that can go two or three or four innings as middle relievers, as they should, instead of guys that can only pitch one inning, then you wouldn't have to worry about this. Well, I, you're 100% correct. So why is it that the game has to change? Why doesn't, why doesn't the commissioner just sit there and say, listen, we're going to keep doing this. You guys better come up with middle relievers that can go two or three or well, four they're not, innings. They're not going to because... Well, then it's the, then suffer the consequences. But there's only one or two 17-inning games a year. You probably only play less than 5% extra inning games a year. Maybe you have five, seven extra inning games. So I'm the guessing. teams have to deal with it. Well, but Why change all the rules for any extra inning game? Because teams, well, ooh, now I use all my bullpen. Well, you know what? Maybe you shouldn't have. <laughs> well, you're right, but... But Maybe you should not... let Montgomery, a guy that can be a starter, go more than one inning. Well, he had Eddie Butler. If he didn't, see, you're right, but if he didn't, he's got, they actually have two long men. So you're not going to save two long men. You're not going to go, oh, we went 28 innings. Yeah. Montgomery threw 14 pitches. Right, but he had Eddie Butler. That's why. If he didn't have Eddie Butler, I wouldn't Yeah, have but had... Butler didn't come in until later. He went to Edwards for 29. Well, he had both of them. And though. then Wilson for 36. Well, that was matchup. He probably needed him for the lefties that yeah. It's the Marlins. You don't need them for anything. Just get a pitcher out there and throw the damn ball. Again, lovely Dana wakes up at 6.01, comes out of the bedroom. I'm running to the train. She goes, we lost to the Marlins. Listen, there's so much of these matchups. And if anybody is looking at it, uh, the new manager of the Philadelphia Phillies is already getting skewered after just two games because he's used 15 pitchers mm -hmm. in two games because Gabe Kapler's got this big thing about the third time through the lineup. I liked him in Welcome Back, Cotter. Yeah, it's it just uh, like the dumbest thing in the world. He's got this thing where he's pulling out Aaron Nola with 70 pitches in the opening game of the season. He's your number one guy. You're pulling him in the fifth because of matchups. You don't want him going to the third time around. It's one of the dumbest things in all of baseball. How about Baez, excuse me, Baez trying to sacrifice Bunt last night? Did you catch that? Late in the, I missed that one. Uh, middle of the late extra innings? I missed that one. First, it's first and second, nobody out. 
Now, I'm not against like everybody else is. Who is it? Carmen. Uh-huh. Carmen has a heart attack. Right. When anyone Anybody talks about bunch. ever sacrificed bunting. Right. Well, here you are. It's like the, uh, I don't know where they were, 13th, 14th inning. First and second, nobody out. 1-1. One, one, you know, and Baez hasn't come close to hitting the ball with the corkscrew swing all night. Yeah. So Joe puts the sacrifice bunt and Maybe he can bunt because he can't hit the ball. Maybe move him over to second and third. Hampers up next. If they walk him, he got top of the lineup coming up because he was inserted in the nine hole. Yada, yada. And this guy, Baez, he punches the bunt. On one or two hops, right back to the pitcher, throws the third for the easy force out. Yep. Fred, you should say, you're a major league, you should know how to bunt. Sure you should. Or Joe should know that he can't. But Joe also knew he couldn't hit. Yeah, Joe Joe seems to bunt a lot now. How about this, though? Three innings earlier, maybe the tenth, Rizzo's up. First and second, nobody out. Rizzo ends up going uh, 0 for 7, biggest collar you can wear, right? It just I didn't see this, but... Jim DeShay pointed it out. Shays pointed it out. He said, Rizzo just looked over to the dugout and made a motion like to Joe, I guess. Should I bunt? Should I bunt? Yeah. <laughs> and Joe evidently said, no, hit away. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, he grounded out. or Well, he didn't get a hit. He was 0 for 7. So what do you do when Baez is here? Here's a problem. You see, Baez should not be in the 8 hole. Right. I know. See, Joe makes Wait up. Wait till Jesse comes out. Well, We're going to need him for an hour. Well, Joe makes up stuff to the press and uh-huh. Jesse. And they all will talk. And they all lap it up. Joe came up with some cockamamie. Cow jumps over the moon. Reason these guys all bought it in Arizona. Why Baez will bat eight? Well, you know, uh, he's a home run hitter. Yeah. And, and I like him batting down near number eight because uh, he can uh, hit a home run. So, oh, he said he can hit a home run, so Joe's got a bat and eight. Hey, the eighth hitter in the National League, uh, here's some news for Joe. Well, Joe knows this. Here's some news for everybody that bought it, hook, line, and sinker. The last place you want to put a guy like Baez is in the eight hole because with the pitcher up next, the pitcher says, I'm going to mess around with this dude and throw him about eight breaking balls out of the zone. Because if I do walk him, if he if he has a fit of imbecilia and actually takes up a, a walk, I'll get the pitcher. He'd be better off batting Zobra. Last night he had Zobra's seventh, Baez eighth. He'd be better off batting Zobra's eighth because he's a more experienced, intelligent hitter. And have and then right. Baez might actually see a pitch or two. I'd actually flip him with Russell. I'd, I'd bat Baez six yeah. after the lefty Schwarber. And then to keep Haywire as long as he's going to be in there. Oh, we had a hit in game one, Murph. Yes. What's he about? One for eight on the year now. 167. Well, what's that? Get Yurko in here. That's one for six, right? Uh, 166 is half yeah. a 333, which is double one for three. It's one for six. We'll yep. get Jesse in a few minutes. Vote right now. Extra inning baseball. You love extra inning baseball. It's too long and too boring. White Sox didn't need extra inning baseball in their opener. Needs to be modernized. We'll talk White Sox when we return. Going to get to the uh, Ramblers, too. Don't worry. We'll ramble on. All that and much, much more. Murph and Fred, glad you're with us. Jesse, in a little while, at the top of the hour. Don't touch that dial. It's ESPN 1000. This is breaking sports news from ESPN 1000. Unbelievable. Welcome back, everybody. Murph and Fred, ESPN 1000. 
I can't believe this, Fred. Maybe you didn't see it yet. It just came across right here. This is an announcement from uh, MLB Commissioner, your buddy, uh-huh, Rob, Rob Manfred. Manfred. All right, let me read his word for word here. Effective immediately due to market research from last night's Cubs-Marlins games TV ratings. Effective immediately, MLB will implement runners on second base to start the 11th inning. See there? Uh, All it took was one game. April Fool, one day early. Now, see, I did that as a public service to remind everyone tomorrow's April Fool's Day. Yes. I don't want anyone getting trapped and getting caught. So, just a little reminder. Don't let your guard down tomorrow. People think I'm old and crotchety. I've never liked April Fool's jokes. I remember one there. There, there was one that uh, was going around years mm-hmm. ago that the uh, Chicago White Sox had mm-hmm. agreed to a deal to bring in Ken Griffey Jr. Before oh, yes. years, bef- years mm-hmm. before they actually brought in Ken mm-hmm. Griffey Jr. It was not that funny. It was easier to pull the pranks off back in the day. I had uh, the Bears in the uh, offseason free agent time. Uh, they had signed. Uh, the Bears needed a punter. Right. And I said, uh, the Bears have just signed a punter who's also a wide receiver from the uh, European Football League. And his name is Henry Foe. Uh-huh. F-A-U-X, which, of course, means fake. False. Right. Yeah. So no one could Twitter it up, Google it up. Look, cause they sort because of those, weren't, yeah. those weren't around. Uh, yeah. We ran that one for about an hour before I uh, got in trouble. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk a little White Sox baseball. Tons of great White Sox stuff yesterday. Yesterday, they enjoyed themselves. They didn't do anything. They just thought about all their home runs they hit. setting Tying a record for baseball with most home runs in an opening day, along with the 88 Mets. Oh, well, the Sox won 14-7. to And uh, you had a box full of ribs, as I used to call it, RBIs in the box score. Highlighted by uh, Matt Davidson, the DH. I wish they let him play a little third base. Maybe, uh, you know, not just DH, but my goodness, but three homers. Uh, in game one, and uh, his fourth uh, out was a long fly ball to the uh, track. Yeah, and I think even more interesting was that Tim Anderson went deep yes. twice. Anderson had a good second half of the season yesterday, uh, last year. He's still got to work in the field, but you know what? If he can hit the ball, he's a guy. He knows that they're bringing in all these young guys. They mm-hmm. don't have another option right now at shortstop. They need him. So bad. They he need needs him. to he needs to perform, and he's had two home runs. Abreu belted one. Moncada took this his first two at bats. He took called third strikes. Then he singles and drives in a run down the third base line. Then he hits two to the wall that uh, Gordon had to go all the way back mm-hmm. to the wall to catch. So uh, hopefully he'll be better today when they take the hill or take the game against um, the Royals. Lucas Giolito gets his first start. Yeah. That'll be nice to see. And uh, Tim Anderson, you know, they don't need him this year. By, I didn't mean, oh, they need him now. They need him for 10 years. So you don't have to uh, use up one of your bargaining chips, your trading chips to have to get a shortstop. Or if you sign, you know, the big guy, Baltimore, if you sign him, uh, Manny, or uh, move Manny to third or Tim. The point is, you need Anderson to be an everyday, somewhere, shortstop, third base, wherever, player. That mean, That's one less person you have to worry about filling that role and uh, having to trade away you know, you can trade for somebody else you need. Maybe he's done what everybody else in baseball seems to do, have done mm. during off seasons and just uh, worried about changing his swing around so he improves his launch angle. Uh, James Shields, by the way, 
Uh, first four batters that he faced all came around to score. Uh, Lucas Duda with a home run, mm-hmm. uh, driving in a couple of runs. But then he did not give up another hit. He went six innings, five hits, all in the first inning, four runs and just one walk. So, um, you know, I hate to say I was ripping Shields early, and anybody should. I'm t- I think he was being ripped himself um, because of how bad he was in the first four batters on opening day. But he calmed down. We'll see what he's like in his next outing. Well, see, James Shields, he could be huge also, you know, on July 31st if you wanted to trade him. Yeah, well, they were hoping they'd be out. They were shopping him last year at that time. And I know. Nothing, nothing well, but nobody wanted him. Right. But all of a sudden, he turned something around, what, late August last yeah. year? Uh, he said he lowered his arm slot just a little bit. I don't even think it was Don Cooper. I think he just got mad one day and said, I'm going to try this. And all of a sudden, the ball's moving and jumping with the little yeah. lower slot. Now, I have to rewatch. you know, the first four bat- batters then uh, for the Sox game one when uh, it was uh, three hits and a home run or whatever. All four runs scored, right? Right. First four guys all scored. Then as he was leaving the mound, they showed a uh, little replay clip and uh, I don't know if it was Stone or uh, uh, Benetti uh, said, look, and he was mouthing to his catcher, ex-Cub Wellington Castillo, saying, not mad at Castillo, but saying, like, I'm going to just throw it. I'm just unloading it. And somewhere in there, when he, then he got the, the outs, yep. I think he lowered the angle again. It's almost like he was throwing the old top, and then he said, you know what? So if it's that simple, right. he could be a big attribute. And who knows if you're still around, if you're around 500 at July 31st, maybe you don't trade him. You know, I don't know. Maybe you move them. Well, you whatever. Yeah, right. Because you got enough guys that, that that are ready to are going to be ready to come up. Hopefully, but right. uh, yeah, Giolito today, and uh, they're going to be a fun team to watch. As uh, as Hawk always says, Ricky's boys don't quit. Mm-hmm. They have four runs in the first inning. They have a four run deficit. That looked like it was going to be a long, long day at the ballpark mm-hmm. in Kansas City. Sox scored five in the fourth, three in the fifth, three in the seventh, three in the eighth, yeah. and make a joke of the game. So that was good. Hey, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, Jesse Rogers coming up next. Going to ask the little guy, what's going on with Joe Madden's hair? Where is Chili Davis? And uh, how come Big Caratini uh, walked home to be tagged out, didn't try to create uh, our wonderful pickle hot box rundown? One hour down, two hours to go. Don't worry, we got Loyola talk coming up big time, at least a couple times and more. Oh, thank God. <laughs> we are, well, that's the right person to thank. It's ESPN 1000. One minute away. If he's awake, oh, it's an hour different. He's up one minute away from Jesse. Not necessarily. Rogers. Oh, that's right. What was it, 12? But ah, they get up early. I'm sure the little guy was up and around. But after the game last night, he did have time to file his report. Which we'll have momentarily. <laughs> it was like 2 in the morning he filed it. Well, today before a crowd of 14,012, and uh, the Cubs blew another one. Uh, I got to ask Joe exactly what the heck was going on. Uh, it was a rough one. Just it's hard, to, one hard to watch. It had to be even harder to manage. You want to see my uh, you want to see my scorecard? Yeah, I was just uh, keeping it in my head yesterday. I, was, I had enough other stuff to worry about. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Can't figure out what's there. So uh, uh, the main thing we'll ask Jesse in one minute is uh, connection here. We're getting a cleaner line for Jesse. First thing we uh, do want to ask him, of course, is uh, 
what can be done with the Chili Davis uh, story. Uh, the big news over the winter time is, uh, well, we got the new uh, hitting coach because one of our faults last year was, you know, making contact, moving the runners along. Driving in runners uh, in scoring position. Getting where right now they're from, two for 22. Getting a man in from third base. Yeah. Uh, EO11, let's play uh, Jesse's uh, uh, report after the game available on the ESPN uh, 1000. So obviously this loss really hurts the Cubs bullpen. In fact, Joe Madden didn't know what exactly he would do on Saturday considering at least three pitchers are down including their closer, Brandon Moore, who only threw a few in the game, but warmed up several times. Eddie Butler also obviously down. He threw 90 pitches over seven innings of relief. He actually suffered the loss in this one. The bigger sort of long-term issue with this team, though, they fell into some bad habits again. They struck out 20 times. That's 30 in two games, just one off the all-time record for the first two games of the season. It's something that's in their DNA. They've got to get it out. They need to be able to score some runs with uh, guys on third base and less than two outs. They were not able to do that in extra innings tonight. Now, Saturday night is Hugh Darvish's first start as a Cub. He'll need to go at least seven or eight innings to save the rest of that bullpen. Madden's talking about at least 100 pitches out of Darvish. With the Cubs in Miami, Jesse Rogers, ESPN. That was the man that never sleeps. That was about 1 a.m. in an empty ballpark, and all the uh, spread of food was already gone. But he's up early with us today. Oh, no, it's 11.03. He's already been jogging along the waterfront, the ocean front. Let's bring in the little guy, Jesse Rogers. Morning, Jesse. I've done no such thing as jogging <laughs> along the waterfront, not yet at least. Not and, and about it. The, insight, the insight information on that report you just played, one take. One take at one thirty in the morning. Not bad, huh? No, no, it was really good. I was thinking about it when you started. I was wondering how many takes it was because we, everybody, anybody that's ever done those things knows they're not easy. No, they're not, especially <laughs> after 17 innings. Right. It, was, uh, it was rough. So, uh, But, you know, there's 17-inning entertaining games, then there's 17-inning uh. Boring ones with 10,000 in the stands and very few uh, yeah. balls in play. It felt like an, a, a 17 game, right? I mean, in fact, the first two games felt a little bit like it. You score eight runs, all sorts of dynamic stuff on offense, and the Cubs shut down against, a, you know, not exactly uh, the pitching staff of the Dodgers or Nationals. It's only a couple games, but to see 20 strikeouts, some of them with men on base and everything, that was disappointing. Lots to cover Jesse Rogers in uh, Miami, and he is a real pro, because you did a little stumble around the 24 second market after you said, I ain't going back, boom, and no one even noticed it. Alright, Jesse, number one, biggest question of the morning, what's going on with Joe Madden's hair? <laughs> now, you might be the wrong guy to ask if you <laughs> catch my drift, but he, he did the uh, Mount St. Baldy or whatever, and uh, now it's coming back, and he's already putting a shoe polish in it. Tell him we had a 82% Murph and Fred fan focus group Twitter poll that they, everyone loves it white. Is he doing it again? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He he loves it. He you know, I, he I, I, he won't admit this, but uh, I've heard him talk about this whole idea of being employable at an older age and all this other stuff. And obviously, you know, if you color your hair, you're, maybe you're trying to look a little younger, right? And he says other people like it, but there's plenty of people that tell him that they don't like it. It does look even weirder when it's shaved off. You know, when he when he had the full head, it looked okay, I thought. Uh -huh. But shaved off and 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 darkened like it is, it does look a little strange. So maybe I'll pass it along mm -hmm. from Murph and Fred. Okay. Yeah, you know, Jess, you mentioned something in your report, and Murph and I were going back and forth on this on the air and then off the air also. 
Kyle Hendricks is the kind of guy, the professor, he never looks rattled, he never looks shaken, he looks, he's out there on the hill, and they pulled him after six innings, 88 pitches. Now, you mentioned Darvish, they even mentioned possibly 100 pitchers, or pitches. If there's one guy that can throw 100 pitchers, in my mind, it's, it's Kyle, Kyle Hendricks. I mean, I'm not... Fred, I, it's, it's one-to-one going into the seventh, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, it was. I mean, and, the, and the pitcher's leading off. If he get, if he makes an out and they go down and they lose two-to-one, won't people look back in that and say, why'd you let Hendricks bat? I don't know. You're not predicting 17 innings at that point. I, I'm, not, I'm not defending it. I'm asking the question. In a tie game with the pitcher leading off, at what point do you pitch it for him? Is it the seventh, eighth? Do you let him go to the ninth? Would you let him lead off the ninth in a one? I'm just asking. Yeah. I mean, at some point in a tie game, you've got to make a move. And, in fact, Hendricks told me in spring, and I thought it was unusual because we never have talked about it, that he wants to hit better to stay in games. Uh-huh. Well, he struck out in his first two at-bats and looked bad, looked bad, and then he's leading off in a 1-1 game. You know, yes, he could have left him in, but you're giving away an out in a tie game, and that's usually not what you do in a situation where he might pitch one more inning anyway. He just wanted to join the rest of the team by striking out. Right? He wanted <laughs> so, to be like all of his buddies. But Jesse raises so. a good point, though. <laughs> he knows it's a great point. It's a great point. Leading off the seven. Well, I'm trying to make fun of myself. So they put uh, three in the morning at yeah. Jesse Ra- I mean, three in the morning, Tommy Lestella. That's his <laughs> nickname. He can hit at three in the morning. And he struck out, too. Oh, yeah, yeah, but they let him off. And, you know, then you got one, two, three coming up. So you can kick that back and forth. But, and the only reason I just thought of this, Fred, that he says that uh, you... Darvish has to pitch 100 today because, uh, Jesse, as you pointed out, now they only got three bullpen guys today uh, in all practicality. Edwards pitched the first two. You don't want to go three in a row ever if possible. Edwards, two games in a row. Montgomery, two games in a row. Wilson, two games in a row. Looking good. They're all, you know, really out for today. Morrow only threw two pitches. That was a disaster. But he came in in a dirty inning. Yada, yada. You can say he's not used to that. Whatever. That's not the point. They said he never saw it on TV because TV never shows you anything. All they're worried about is, uh, you know, uh, they don't care about Murph or Fred or people want to know that Morrow, I guess, was up and down multiple times, which most managers then will say, you know what, we're going to cool him down the next day. It's called a uh, hot hump or whatever, you know, in, in baseball. When you get a guy up and down, don't use him up and down, then use him. And Butler, 90 pitches. Point is, Jesse Fred, all they have today is Strope, CSAC, uh, and uh, Cishek and uh, Dunsing, right, Jesse? Three guys really available. Yeah, I think you're right. And, of course, the Marlins are in the same boat, so we'll see. And, obviously, Darvish is a more accomplished starter than, than what they have going. The moral thing's an interesting um, aspect here. We, we, we talked all spring, or Theo did, about protecting him. And, you know, that's all well and good, except when you don't want to protect him, right? I mean, I, I didn't see him up too much in, like, the 14th, 15th. I think he was up more in the night. Remember when they had men on in the 10th and yeah. the 11th? You know, he was up and down uh, there, but, you know, a guy with more of a rubber arm um, would probably be able to pitch today, don't you think? I mean, it's, it's, day, it's day three here. Yes, he was up and down, he threw two pitches, but they are trying to protect him. That's the negative side of signing a guy like Brandon Moore. Well, I'll bring Fred in right here on then. I said, well, Fred, he pitched the South of the Game World Series. They've been babying him all year, and yes. Fred? He's only, he's only <laughs> had four months to recover, Jess. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I know. Man. We, you may want to give him another month. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah, I, like I said, it's kind of the negative side. It, we, 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 the Cubs don't have mm-hmm. a closer with a rubber arm. Let's just, you know, some guys do, some teams don't. Most of the time you're protecting a, a, a closer because you're going to pitch seven seven months or he's going to pitch seven to mm-hmm. months. But it, it, you must admit, other closers would be available today. Yeah, it would you, be. 
You brought he up is. an interesting point, too, because you didn't mention the starter for today for the Marlins because he pitched last night and got the win in the 17th inning. Yeah, so I don't know exactly what they're going to do. I just woke up, so, you know. It, <laughs> oh, no, no, I I'm, saying, I'm saying for those people that are out there listening and say, well, Jesse didn't mention who's pitching. Well, right, I'm sure that I'm sure that Mattingly's not sure either. Jesse just yeah, woke exactly. up. Yeah. Jesse just woke up. I sent you some uh, texts in 11, 12, 13. Never heard from that. I figured you were taking a three-inning nap. <laughs> I did say when I went to sleep, I just woke up from about the the, the, the 12th inning last night. Um, that that Cubs offense really put me to sleep. So, yeah, All it's right. going to be a weird game for both teams. Both starters probably going to go, you know, well over 100. And if you've seen a couple of the tweets, you know, not a lot mm. of pitchers have gone over 100 in the first couple of days. Or it's just not the norm. Jesse Rogers live from Florida. A couple more minutes with Jesse before his uh, uh, breakfast comes up to room service. What do you have today going, Jesse? A uh, nice bagel, extra cream cheese, probably put some weight back on that you might have well, breakfast ends at eleven, so I mean, I've got to order some. I got to order lunch at this point. You, you know, better. that's how late that game went. I missed breakfast. Loyola Ramblers talk in a few minutes, Steve uh, Greenberg. Sometimes on the Loyola beat down in San Antonio. All right, Jesse, number two. So what? Chili Davis didn't make the trip to my to Miami <laughs> all winter. Oh, situational, situational. As you reported, there thirty strikeouts in two days. Men on third can't get him in. What's going? on with Chili Davis. When's he going to get into town? Well, this is where, you know, some, some I don't know if the word's criticism, but a, a question mark. Look, John Maley had this offense hitting home runs, right? Taking their walks and getting on base. There was one, you know, thing that was not great. Situational hitting. Right. So there was a lot of good things with this team. Now, here's the answer to your question. It, 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 it takes more than just one spring training. Sorry, the phone's a little weird in my hotel room here. Um, it, t- it takes more than one spring training to, to change the inherent sort of DNA of a team. It does. So I'm not going to come down on them just yet. Over time, though, they better get better at it than that, or else that move to Chile was, was you know, for no reason. And, in fact, if somehow they lose power because they're thinking so much about that, then it really could mess up some guys. But right now it does seem like they're thinking power. There's a lot of uppercut swings going on. Madden didn't want to call it overswinging, but trying to do too much, to me, it's the same thing. But this is the one thing I will say. You cannot change the DNA of a lineup in in one spring training. They are just getting to know him personally, personality-wise, and all that stuff. It takes time. So let's see if this, you know, the 30 strikeouts in two games is the second most ever in the first two games of a baseball season. Granted, you had the 17 innings to help out. But still, that's a lot. It's got to change. All right, here's what Chili Davis is. Uh, some of them that did last night: uh, Rizzo, 0 for seven, one strikeout; Baez, 0 for seven, two strikeouts; uh, Wilson Contreras, one for seven, he hit the ball, two strikeouts; and Ian Happ, one of my favorite guys, 0 for four, three Ks. Jesse, since his home run. Opening pitch of the baseball season since Happer's homer and uh, Andy's up. He has had six strikeouts and eight at bats by my numbers, uh, give or take. I might have missed or added, but uh, that's no Gouda. No, it's not. And this is why I tell people that, you know, that, uh, this guy should play every day. The five outfielders, they're all quasi starting outfielders, they all have their strengths. They all have their weaknesses. Until a couple of them emerge, you're going to see Madden mix and match. You're exactly right. Happ hits the home run, but here's, there's a lot of swing and miss in his game. And I, Murph, I know you're listening the last few weeks on the air, and what have I said? He's fine. He's going to bring power to the top of the lineup. He's proven 
He can hit right away, but he's not going to be a Dexter Fowler on base machine. He's just going to be what he is, which is a decent hitter who has a lot of swing and miss until he matures at least. So, yes, there, there's a lot of swing and miss in this team at times, and it's got to change. I thought the, the best hitter of the night was Ben Zobrist. I thought he just missed on a bunch of yeah. balls, hit that double, yeah. fouled off some hard hit balls. So, I, you know, people thought he was the fifth out of five outfielders. Well, he was the best hitter on the team last night. So you never know how this thing's going to go. And the five out there all have their strengths and weaknesses. So I think it is up to Joe to put them in the best position to succeed. He had a couple of balls that if the windows were closed might have been in the seats yesterday. Right, he was right on the ball yeah. all night. He looked refreshed. He really well. When he gets two or three days off, you know, he's usually a, a strong, strong hitter. I don't know what Joe's going to do with the lineup today. I imagine he'll put Zobrist in a second day in a row. He might give a, a day off to either uh, Baez or uh, Russell, moving uh, you know Baez to short or giving Baez a day off. Uh, but we'll have to see what he does there. You know what expression I'm really getting tired of hearing? It's not from you this time, Jesse. Just joking. You know what expression? <laughs> hangover? Not hangover this time? <laughs> I'm really getting tired of this. Oh, Jason Hayward? Well, you know, even if he doesn't, now I'm quoting many people here, okay? So if you're listening out there and you're one of the people, I'm not just only talking about you. Jason Hayward, even if he doesn't hit, he still runs the bases well, and he's a very good fielder. I can go down to the park district and find that guy. Anyone can can be a good base runner and a good fielder. Well, Victor Caratini can. We'll, we'll get, get to him, him in a minute. Let me ask you this, Jesse Fred. All right, Albert Elmora. Nothing about the hitting. Can I say that Albert Almora, he's a very good base runner and a very good fielder. What, what is different between Hayward and Almora on the statement, he's a very good uh, base runner and a very good fielder? Well, it's splitting hairs what the difference is. Hayward is a go-glove winning outfielder. I, and I disagree with you about you, you saying that he's maybe lost a step. It may, uh, 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 let's put it this way. Right. I don't know if you've ever said he's lost um, some of his gold glove ability. If he's lost a step, that hasn't affected him tracking down fly no, no. balls. In my this opinion. is not to, to let me interject. You're right. Yeah. This is not to downgrade Hayward. I'm actually upgrading Elmora. I just right. want to know what the difference is when the statement comes out. He he can. He's a good base. He's a very good base runner. They both are, and he's a very good uh, right fielder. They yeah, both are. The only are. difference is I think Hayward's a little bit better. How do right you know? Than, than, How do you know? Elmore. How do well, you know? Well, I mean, he's a, he's. Been more accomplished. You know, I know that, but how do you know that? El well, but you said, how do you know Elmora can't? You don't. But look, but look, Murph. I think that your your point is, you know, are people sort of defending playing Hayward uh, because of those well, reasons? Not really. It's just that there's yeah. a million guys in the Double A and Triple A that can run right. the bases and get the ball. Guys like a Borges, just to pull a name out of thin air. You know. Yeah. Let me just say this, and and, and the bigger point is this. Managers, even Joe, will talk about uh, defense and base running and all this, but right. at the end of the day, the guys that play the most are the ones that can hit the ball. I, that's why Schwarber is in the lineup the mm -hmm. first two days, because conceivably, on paper, he can hit the ball. So, yes, if, and that's why if three um, outfielders that not named Hayward emerge as hitters, Hayward will play less and less. But right now, out of those five, we don't know who can hit consistently. Right. The first two games are a great illustration. So I think Joe's fallback is mm -hmm. why not put the gold glover out there? And again, he didn't start yesterday, so right. it's not like he's out there every day. Okay. But I think that's the key here. We don't know who's going to emerge as a hitter, so the fallback is let's play the, the, the gold glover yeah. as much as All we right. can.
Jesse, uh, it's one little thing uh, in a long 17-inning game, but when you're on third base and you're a young player, there's a shot to first and you're headed home. and Men on first and third, one out, yeah. tie score late. Why Why does Victor Caratini just walk into an out third instead out. of trying to get into a run? To do something. He saw the play immediately when the guy was out at first base. Embarrassing. He could have gone back. He could have done anything but what he did. Yeah, no, wait a minute. Let me, because someone else said this to me, and it was late. Um, weren't the bases loaded? No. See, I, th- I thought they were, too. Oh, here's, no. Wait. I thought oh, the bases were on. loaded. I'm no, wrong. he could still go back, you're but right. the guy from second okay. going to third. I'm sorry. And the guy at second has to go back to first. But the batter was, you're right, it was bases loaded, but when the out was at first, that took off the force, and he didn't right, have but, it. But you got a guy I'm running sorry. to second and a guy running to third. It, he, look, he could have gotten a hot box. Right. There you go. There you go. You don't just give up, like Fred said, and yeah. walk in tense. Walking steps. Oh, you didn't even see him in the, the picture tag. at the beginning. The catcher right. of the ball, you didn't even see Caratini in the picture. You walked first. into the third out, you got you create a hot box. You coached Little League in Northbrook, the best Little League in the country. <laughs> yeah, you do You do get in the hot box. It takes one errant throw, in the, and it's the second game of the season. It's the Marlins. They sure. might throw it away. So <laughs> sure. I don't disagree with you, but it was so it, everything happened so fast, I thought he'd be out easily. But you're not. you guys are not wrong. Well, and it's a little thing, too, but I'm sure that somewhere along the line, maybe Joe, you know, maybe you guys bring it up before the game today and maybe joe sure. says yeah he's had he's been he's been talked to about that you know we don't it, it just looked bad you know yeah, i mean if no, you're sitting I hear at home you. I hear you. you're I sitting at home so bang bang i i thought he was gonna well, be dead about no this? What. You're, well you're right. sitting at home you're sitting at home waiting for the damn game to come to an end you got a guy on third base hayward <laughs> hits a shot right to the first base when you're going well at least uh, no where's he going all i know is all i've heard is the third base coach butterball <laughs> What's his name? Oh, he's the best third base coach, infield coach. He's an unbelievable butterfield, butterball, whatever they call it. Hey, butter, butter. And here's what happens. Why don't you yell, back! Get back! Corrado, well, run down, you idiot! Yeah, well, that, yeah, it was, butter, butter was sleeping like everybody else. It would have been three guys standing at third base, fine. probably, but you, you tried. Fine. It. Yeah. That's fine. At least like they French say you tried. Like right? just said, you don't think the Marlins would have done a seven throw uh, run down and then right. uncork it? Right, exactly right. You guys are not wrong. Not wrong at all. All right, now, let the record show about 20 minutes ago I said everybody, didn't I? Hold on. Hey, Jesse, this is just the first Saturday of the season. Yeah, I, know. <laughs> I didn't say Jesse. I said everybody. No, no, no. I'm saying I know. Yeah, we get used to it because it's just the first every, Saturday everybody. of the season. Anyone that thinks that Joe, may, anyone that thinks that Baez batting eight is smart is wrong. And more than that, all you guys have bought into Joe. Oh, Joe says he likes to home run in the eighth slot. He likes to putt. Let me tell you something. When you got a guy like Baez that is undisciplined and he swings like a corkscrew and, and a ball curving away into dirt, you don't bat him eight in the National League because with the pitcher next, the pitcher, even an idiot pitcher, goes, I'm going to just mess around with this guy and throw a bunch of curves in the dirt. And if he doesn't swing, I'll walk him. And the pitcher's up next. He should be batting sixth. And Russell should be batting eighth. But you guys really think, do you think that Joe's right with this batting by as eighth because he might run into a homer? No. No, Murph. I, I'm surprised you say that to me because right. I know how much you listen. I'm sorry. I disagreed with Joe for two years right. on it. I don't okay. think you put a free sl- swinger eighth for the reasons you just said. Right. Okay, the, you know what? You're right. What you have done is given Joe's explanation, which right. is the right, which is the right, which, which is, is the right, which is the right thing to do. Yeah, and okay, Joe's I'm given, sorry. It's, it's a, 
It's okay. a backwards explanation. Okay, good. Because, I'm sorry. Good, good. Yeah, I'm with you on it. It's backwards because because it just doesn't make sense. The pitcher's going to take advantage of that. I agree with you. I don't think Russell should be down there. I, I do believe in his little knack for RBI chances, whatever, as much as that's unscientific. I think Hayward should be batting eighth. Uh, Jed Hoyer always talks about... But, you know, you don't need to debate the lineup so much as just put your best hitters in the, at the top and work your way down. Well, that means Hayward should be batting eighth. So I, I, I don't think it should be Russell or Baez because Hayward makes more outs, you know, no matter what, who's on the mound and who's hitting behind him. You may as well put him in that spot. That's my opinion. Hey, Jesse, great job. Go get breakfast. Like, get them both, for goodness sakes. And uh, before you go, let's bring in Eric, EO11. Eric, uh, we're our last uh, poll question, Jesse. Extra inning baseball, A, B, or C. A, I love extra inning baseball. B, it's too long and boring. C, it needs to be modernized. All right, uh, Fred, uh, you want to vote on this? Uh, I'm going to vote C. It needs to be modernized. And then we'll talk a little later, as we did earlier, Jesse, about the extra innings, 11th inning. Not the 10th. 11th started with a man on second and the minors, nobody out to move things along. Fred? Yeah, I'm... I don't like it, and I don't hate it. Or what do you think the fans said? Yeah, I know. I think the fans are probably saying that uh, something's got to be done. Jesse, I love extras. B, too long and boring. C, needs to be tweaked. I think the fans are going to vote C. Mm -hmm. I'm biased, obviously, because I sit there for 162, and I think it all evens out in the end. You don't... It's just like replay. I mean, it all evens out in the end. The umpire calls, and you have 162 games to figure it out. So my point is, I don't mind it being modernized to end earlier. Yeah, I mean, even uh, Jed Hoyer uh, has said he's all for it. As I mentioned earlier, with a uh, pontification filibuster, which I won't do now. But uh, look what it does to your bullpen. Fred says, yeah, it's your fault. You're the manager. You should have plans You should have, you should have guys can go three, four innings. Well, part of, let me just jump in. Part yeah. of me likes it as well. And Joe even said that uh -huh. last night. Like, now you have to recover from that. That's part of baseball. I do like that. You have to force your starter to go a little bit longer. Get your team to win in a blowout, whatever it can. But, but I say that having sat there till 2 in the morning, so I'm a little biased. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I sat there till 11, 18, uh, and I couldn't believe what was happening. Just 5 hours, 18 minutes, and they don't even... Uh, lovely Dana, who you know well, this morning I'm leaving the house at 6 a.m. to go to the train. She, I hear the bedroom door open. She looks like she's rubbing her eyes like the little kid in a cartoon, and she goes, and she says... We lost to the Blanken Marlins. <laughs> uh, hey, can I tell you a quick one? Uh, I'm not. Yeah. I, I don't say his name on the air because no. I don't want people to. My son texted me. I know. You know, he's been busy at school. It's only game two. He texted me at about eleven o'clock or twelve and whatever inning it was, and he's like, "Went to John Jay bat yet?" <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. I said, yeah, for the Royals. For the Royals, yeah. yeah. Lead, lead off single in the first inning against the Sox in game one, right? Yeah, okay, yeah. And then he, was like, just looking, then he was just looking at balls going over the fence. I'm like, six weeks of spring training reports on the air. You didn't tune in once. <laughs> That's good. Well, he'll learn. He'll learn. Yeah. But, he knew, but he knows to get in a rundown. He does know that. I there love it. He does know that. All right, go back to, Jesse, go back to sleep. All right, guys. Take care. See you, Jess. Jesse Rogers, Murph and Fred, we're running late. Just wait till Jesse's in San Francisco and L.A. joining us at this time. Hey, last chance to vote for our 10 o'clock Murph and Fred fan focus group Twitter poll question. If Loyola wins today, A, I want to face Kansas. B, I want to face uh, Nova. C, 
They're in the finals. Who cares who they face? Steve Greenberg, sometimes uh, Loyola Ramblers guy. Next, live from San Antonio, Murph and Fred Goodall, ESPN 1000. Mike Murphy, Fred Hubner, back together on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Uh, yes, indeed, Saturday in Chicago. That means Murph and Fred, 9 till noon, and one minute away from... He's on the Loyola Rambler beat. We'll go in a moment to Steve Greenberg, sometimes down in San Antonio... Here's our last Twitter poll. If Loyola wins today, let's bring in uh, Eric Ostrowski. I'd like to see him face Kansas if they win today. B, I want him to face Nova. Well, I want to see him play DePaul if they win. If they <laughs> win I'd like today. to see him win a championship. <laughs> and It'll be tough playing the number one seed. RC, they're in the finals, Murph. Who cares uh-huh. who they play? I like C on that one. Let's go down to one of my favorite guys is in San Antonio. On the air now in Chicago with Mike Murphy here and Fred Hubner. Steve, thanks for joining us, man. Murph, Fred, what's happening, guys? No, you're happening, man. Steve's been on fire, Fred. I jotted a few things down here. Uh, today, uh, he says, uh, you know, some dope I know uh, didn't pick Loyola for the Final Four. Uh, you know, I guess that was me. There's a guy that can call himself a dope. And then he said... Uh, Join the club, we no, all no, do. No, Steve's <laughs> then it gets better. Too. He goes, well, you know, I'm... I'm picking Michigan uh, today, 71-62, but you know what? Then I, I'll be the jerk. I'm a jerk if that doesn't happen. I love your style. Seriously, great work so far. Steve, uh, paint us a picture. What's happening in San Antonio uh, this morning? Well, the, number one, nobody cares what I think. I don't <laughs> even care what I think. There you go. So, <laughs> so, you know, the beauty of it is that there's still the game, and it is uh, It's going to be wild. You know, um this is uh, an event with the Kansas Jayhawks at it. So, so anyone who's been to the tournament where where Kansas has played anywhere in any tournament in any year knows nobody travels like KU fans except for Kentucky fans. Uh, so it's crawling with with Jayhawks. But um, I think that there's still this a great sentiment even among them because they're they're not playing Loyola in the semifinal. Uh, for the Ramblers, it, it is a real, you know, uh, cultural event, and people are, you know, not just talking about Sister Jean. They're not uh, just uh, talking about the Harry Potter-looking scarves and all that. People are, 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 I think, excited to watch this team. You know, they, they play a compelling brand of basketball. It's uh, uh, it's undoubtedly a good team, a well-coached team, uh, a fundamentally Sound and oak strong kind of uh, way to play the game. I, I you know, I, I think my opinion um, is that typically in sports, you know, we've seen this with Final Four upstarts like George Mason and VCU. We saw it with the 2015 Cubs in the NLCS. Once a, a Cinderella story sort of, you know, once a team meets its match, I think they tend to lose kind of anticlimactically. So that's why I picked Michigan by a pretty good margin in this game thinking maybe this is the this is the game where Loyola loses this is the the game where they face an elite coach like John Beeline who has a a Bill Belichickian week to prepare you know yeah. that kind of thing 
Yeah. And, uh, and 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 then and then you start to think, well, geez, you know, they're they're up against the real deal here. Um, but maybe it won't be tonight, you know. And and I, I mean, I hope it won't be tonight because this has been fun and it's a great story. You know, and speaking of stories, I was going to say uh, sometimes when you cover events and you cover a basketball team, there's one or two stars, and you want to you want to focus on those kind of guys, or you want to find the one guy that's a, well. On this team, there's there's like eight guys that all have a story. Okay, each and every one of them. Towns has a story. Williamson's got a story. Your story today about Jackson. He's got a story. A guy that jumped into the starting lineup when needed, scored points, and a lot of them led them in scoring, and then went back to the bench when when their other guy came back. I mean, it, it's got to be great for you because there are so many storylines instead of saying okay well which storyline am i going to try and find now you got to try to figure out which one's better than all the other ones I, I think you're right you know it is a um extraordinarily balanced kind of team somebody asked me on a on an out-of-town uh show yesterday you know who's the the go-to guy the mvp <laughs> the one guy they can't win without it there's not that guy no nope. you know in fact clayton custer who was the the Missouri Valley Player of the Year had uh, a, ga- a game in uh, the tournament. I don't remember if it was Miami or which which game it was. I, I can't recall offhand, but where I think he had one field goal. They won anyway. So yeah. uh, you know Ben Richardson, uh, the Defensive Player of the Year in the Valley, the teammate of Custer's in high school who wasn't a big recruit and all that, and who clearly isn't. Uh, you know, as talented a player, is the one who, who carried them with uh, a career-high 25 points against uh, K-State. So uh, it can be anybody, and uh, that is fun. And, and we also don't really run the risk of, I mean, maybe in a, in, a, you know, in a tight window, you know, some people cynically are saying, okay, enough with the Sister Jean references. Let's, you know, let's talk about the game. Let's talk about the players. But we're all basically just getting to know which is the great irony here, great, just getting to know Porter Mosier, getting right. to know Loyola. We don't really run the risk of <laughs> overdoing any angle, you know, because we <laughs> because for seven years uh-huh. Porter was at Loyola, and we're all just basically meeting him now, you know, which is, uh, uh, to me, a sort of charming part of this whole deal is, you know, we're all Johnny-come-latelys to this story. Right. But, you know, that's the way it goes. It's Chicago, but and, and hopefully we're beginning to do it some justice now. Steve Greenberg on the Loyola beat with the Sun Times San Antonio final couple of minutes. Appreciate your busy time on a busy day obviously for you and the uh, Sun Times group. Uh Steve Greenberg, uh, you just mentioned uh oh got you know the angles, the angles. And be it sports talk radio or what you do so well, you know you're always trying to find something a little different. Now, this just came to me as uh as uh, eavesdropping on you and Fred. So there are two games today, of course. Game one is Loyola, Michigan. Game two are two number one seeds, Nova and Kansas. I'm just thinking everything seems to have fallen in place, you know, for Loyola. And any team needs that if they're going to progress. Don't get me wrong. Is it better? I think it's a lot better that Loyola happens to have the first game. Here's why I say this. Maybe you've covered it or I haven't heard it anywhere. So game two... 749 uh, our time all the crowd will be in the arena for both games so the nova crowd and the kansas crowd sitting patiently none of them are going to be rooting for michigan because they want 
They're licking their chops. If Loyola wins, we're going to, you know, fatten up on Loyola and win it all. Now, the Michigan fans will be there. I don't know how well Loyola travels, but won't at least three quarters of this house be roaring and pulling for Loyola? And I still think that makes a little difference for the players. I know it's not like Hoosiers, the movie, you know, the, uh, which is still a great movie. Uh, the, the, the baskets 10 feet high, the free throws 15 feet. Will the home, will the stadium crowd not be rocking and rolling almost 75% for little Loyola? I think you're dead on, Murph. I do. I, uh, these Kansas fans here will be for Loyola for sentimental reasons. I think Kansas will have you know half the house. Let's say sure, um, maybe more. They'll, they'll they'll be sentimentally for Loyola. They'll also prefer to play Loyola in the next round if it comes to that. You know, they'll be thinking strategically. Uh-huh. Um, and and so yes, I do think it'll be mm-hmm. a pro Loyola crowd, nice. and that can only help. I'm with you. You know, X's and O's wise, we're not going to get too deep into it because I'm not sure about you, but, uh, you know, I, I don't consider myself a basketball expert. But looking at this, you would think that Mo Wagner, the 6'11 guy going up against Crutwig, the 6'9 freshman, is going to be a key one way or another. Either Wagner is going to step out and dominate the game. Crutwig is going to figure out how to, you know, get inside and get him in foul trouble. Is that what you think one of the, the, uh, the highlights is? Or is that just the easiest one, the easiest angle to look at going into this game? No, I think it's it's clearly a big part of the game how they're going to defend him, and it's it's not just his shooting uh, at six eleven. The discomfort for someone like Crutwig of going far away from the basket against the skilled uh, Lowry Markinen, you know, type of uh, of guy. Sure, I think it's 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 Wagner's ability to put the ball on the floor and take these you know preposterously long steps and get to the basket so quickly. And how hard it is not to foul in a situation like that for a for a big guy. Uh, I wonder if Andre Jackson isn't going to play more than Crutwig. Mm-hmm. He's only six five. Crutwig is six nine, two sixty, stronger than Wagner. Can you know? Can can pound away at him. I think can score on him inside. I think Crutwig can score inside on Michigan. Right. But um, it might have to be Jackson playing out on the perimeter with the ball and defensively against Wagner at 6-5. But he's just such an athlete. Sure. I mean, he could put the ball on the floor. He could, he can be a mismatch problem, I think, for, uh, for Mo Wagner. But, but that seems to me overall to be, um, uh, you know, a, a check uh, in the pros column for, for Michigan going into this game. That's a, that's a really complicated matchup. Loyola just, I mean, other than Cameron Crutwig, uh, they have no size. Just none, and uh, which is remarkable. I mean, the game is kind of going that way. The college game, especially guards on the floor, spacing, shooters everywhere. That's the way Loyola plays. But it's tough when you come up against a skilled near seven footer. Steve, uh, let's spring in your busy day. Always a pleasure. I'll catch up with you more leisurely. Uh, thanks for jumping in on the fly. You had a great piece. I uh, want everyone to try to check out Wednesday. You filed on uh, uh, the guard, uh, Clayton uh, Custer, and he was uh, studying back, just like any other student, for his test uh, uh, coming up on uh, strategic management. And said, well, he does that on the court. He also should be able to do it in the classroom. 
Great stuff there. Uh, get back to work. Thanks a million. Everyone in Chicago enjoyed your uh, report. And uh, we'll visit next time when we can spread all fields. I love your Twitter poll questions and responses. Uh, I love your work. Thanks a million, Steve. Thanks, fellas. I appreciate it. Have a great day. Thanks, Steve. You too. And Fred, just before we take a break, uh, I was waiting all week. You played it the other day. Uh, you were in for one of the guys. And uh, it never gets old. About a 45 quick second little clip here from the famous movie Hoosiers. And uh, it does remind me. because they didn't have a three-point line they could measure. No, but it was funny because the guys on the team the other day, Jackson, I think, was the guy that says, hey, we have to walk up to the court. And there's going to be 70,000. These guys play in an arena that holds five. Okay. So that's why it all kind of came together. Because Gene Hackman couldn't measure the 22 feet or whatever for the three-point <laughs> line back in the movie. Hi, Coach Dale, Coach Butcher, welcome to Butler Fieldhouse. Uh, your practice schedule is from 10 to 12. The game will be at uh, 7 o'clock. If you need anything, why just let me know. Kind of off the record, I think this is the most exciting thing that's ever happened to Indiana basketball. So we're all behind you. Good luck and tear them up. Thank you. Good luck, guys. Buddy, hold this under the backboard. What is it? Fifteen feet. Fifteen feet. Strap, put Ollie on your shoulders. Measure this uh, from the rim. Buddy. How far? Ten feet. Ten feet. I think you'll find it's the exact same measurements as our gym back in Hickory. <laughs> okay, let's get dressed for practice. Hickory! <laughs> ah, good stuff. It is big. <laughs> Hickory! Wyola! Ramblers! <laughs> Good stuff, Fred. Thanks for pulling that out earlier in the week. Let's get the uh, results real quick. EO11, the question was if Loyola, Loyola wins today. A, I want him to face Kansas. I want him to face Nova. C, hey, they're in the finals. I don't care who they play. 66% say finals. Who cares? I love it. Well, what were, who won A and B then? It was uh, 30, about 16-16. 21% say they'd rather see Kansas, right. and 13% they'd rather see Villanova. People want to see Kansas knocked off by the Ramblers. Ramble on. We'll have more Ramblers talk next hour. But when we return, something that really disturbed me. While Not the Cubs game? On, on, <laughs> uh, an advertisement that the Cubs ran okay. in the Cub game, game one. And I have a little inside information on it. All that and more back in a flash. It's ESPN 1000. I know we're late. No, 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 no. We're not leaving yet. No. But that was not a uh, technical mistake. EO doesn't make those. EO 11, good job. At the end of every show, we play that little sound bite. E M I C. M I C. Yeah. See you real soon. So I'm thinking, you know who's pitching for the Cubs real soon later today? You? 
Yes. So it's amazing. Here's what the okay. So at noon when we say goodbye, he's pretend instead of Y O U. There's well, you get it. Let's let's listen. See you real Darvish. soon. See you real soon. All right. That's right. So that tickled me during the week. So E11 worked, and we'll do this at about 11:30. Fred got a uh, a great mix of songs where uh, they're actually saying, uh, you know, we love you. Uh huh. Why you? Now gotcha. why you got it? So that that'll be at 11:30. Uh, our current uh, Twitter poll, which we didn't even uh, Twitter tease. Uh, but the results are flying in. A or B, Kyle Schwarber. A, should be a DH only. B, just leave him alone in left field. We'll get the results for that momentarily. So, I'm watching the Cub game. Game one, Thursday afternoon. Minding my own that business. Was a, that was a lot better. Minding my own business. Uh-huh. Right? And around the fifth inning, one of the either... Uh, Len or uh, JD's, uh, as we would say in the business, doing a, a reader. Right. They hand him the three-by-five card, and he reads it, you know, a commercial or, you know, Channel 9 News Tonight with so-and-so and so-and-so. So I'm listening. And then uh, so what he's reading on the reader uh, was also a, a little graphic, you uh-huh. know, so it was a, it was a commercial. Okay. Fine, fine. That's what you do. 400 tickets remain to Cubs opening day. Uh, CubsTickets.com or whatever. I'm okay. thinking, hold on now. How could that be? Hold on. You mean they're not sold out? Uh-huh. Right? So, I find out later from an inside source. High right? white horse house. Uh, a high white horse house, right. Well, I said, you mean they're not sold out? He goes, oh, no, we're, we've been sold out for months. We hold back 400. That's and a good I, I like that. And we release them today. But I don't know. Yes. Try to avoid the scalpers right. and all the ticket brokers and the markup artists. Yeah. Right? But what I don't know is, was it dynamically priced? In other words, did they jack those from the normal triple? Uh-huh. So in other words, the $80 upper deck for opening day or whatever is now $250. Uh-huh. And the $700 box seats now is what they are, I believe, in the front because you get... Are they finished yet? Well, they will, but yeah. <laughs> Maybe those are now $2,500. Yeah. So I don't know. And then you know what I find out? We got another $150. we are really halting back for the day before the opener. Okay. I mean, they can do whatever they want. Sure they could. I, I, tickets. You know what? For years, the White Sox have been doing it. At guaranteed rate, they're holding back 32000 <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> I'm right. sorry. My buddy works for the ticket office. I hope he laughs at that one. That was, that was Fred. <laughs> Not me. Because uh, you know what? If you can just walk up day <laughs> a game and buy tickets, there'll be a lot of walk-ups for the White Sox. Because you'll want to see a Nicky Delmonico and a Moncada and uh, a Matt Davidson. So well, you know, you know, I'm looking all- forward to it. And uh, I it, may even go next Thursday. But in general, you can also dynamic price downward. Yes, you can. I mean, you can say a day a game if you got 10,000 inventory. Well, you know what? Those uh, $50 boxes are twelve fifty. I mean, just as you can up them. Sure you can. But holding them back, ah, no, we got another 150 we'll be releasing the day before opening day. You heard me talk to the commissioner about what the Orioles are doing the first month of the season. Uh, every, any adult that comes to the ticket window can buy can get, can get buy a ticket and get two tickets for any kids nine and under in the yeah. upper deck nice. for the first month of the season. Uh-huh. That's a nice first step. Yeah. They should do it for the whole season. You know what? 
a couple of sales here, a couple of sales there. They don't mean all that much. They're making enough money doing base uh, with uh, the TV. They should get more kids into the game. I know for the longest time I said kids shouldn't go to the game till they understand it. Well, if you can get them in at five and six and seven, and they actually start to like the game of baseball and become fans of the future, then I may have to go back on my original thoughts. I tell Brooks Boyer every year, every Wednesday game at home should be a day game. Yeah. Oh, but we can make a few grand more on TV revenue if we put it on. You know what? Like Fred just said, every Wednesday game or Tuesday or my whatever, every Wednesday game all year long at home. That's what twelve games. Make them, uh, you know, half place yeah. for kids. Day games. You're trying to build a. See, they don't. They always talk about building the future. They don't give a rat's Rudy yeah. Tootie anybody. Not the Sox. Any sport. Yeah. Any. They don't care about the future because the owner's going to sell the team before the future. Brooks, is, Brooks is knows. Here. Yeah, Brooks knows. I love him, but uh, uh, you know, any year he would like to invite me when they have the uh, all the media people invited for the food that they have at the stadium. Uh-huh. Anytime he would like to invite me, I would be more than happy to attend. Does there have to be a game that day? No, they do it before the season starts. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> they invite the media and they feed them. This is our new food. Well, okay. let me. I, I can talk about it forever. Eric, real quick, what was the results? Kyle Schwarber, should he be a DH or should he just leave Malone out there in left field? 57% says he should be a DH. Well, of course, that was because of the adventure in left field a couple of days ago. But that's, that's good close voting. Back to the- He was hoping that it would, the, the shade that was there when he ran into it, that it wouldn't be visible on TV. Special guest. When we return to Loyola Rambler, you know him from another uh, uh, line of sports work. When we return back in a flash, we are, of course, uh, we are, of course. Don't touch that dial uh, at CSPN right. 1000. Thank you, Jesse. Four and three and two and one. one. Final hour, Murph and Fred. Hope you have a wonderful Easter weekend. One minute away from Ramblers Talk. Rambler Talk. Ramblers Talk. Whatever. Loyola Talk. A guy you know. A guy we love. Just found out recently on the Facebook. The Facebook? As people like used, cable? used to call it. That uh, Bruce Miles, graduate, proud grad from Loyola. We know him as a longtime baseball guy. Hey, vote right now. Uh, at ESPN 1000, Twitter poll right now, Loyola, tonight, 5 o'clock, A, they beat Michigan, B, they lose to Michigan. Couldn't be more simple. Just want to find out what you say. And let's go down to San Antonio right now. And uh, San Antonio or Miami? San Antonio or Miami. I'm sorry, Miami. He's still he's still working. He's still got a job. Uh, hey, I just moved you about a thousand miles there in a blink of the eye. Bruce, good morning or good afternoon. Murph and Fred here in Chicago. Hello, guys. My heart's in San Antonio, but the rest of me is here in Miami. And I'm also on the Twitters, too, so don't forget that. Okay. Fans, Santa Bruce Miles, longtime baseball expert on the Cub Beat right now, Daily Herald. But uh, from everything I read and see, uh, now want to hear, here's a guy that's so proud, and who can blame him, of the uh, gold and uh, maroon. Bruce, uh, so uh, what what was your uh, field of study, and you were there, and uh, did you ever think this would happen? Uh, what's it like to be a real rambler uh, on a day like today? 
Oh, it is so much fun, and it's been so really since uh, the middle of the season on when they beat Florida, and you saw that maybe something special could happen. Uh-huh. Uh, I tell people I'm the class of 79, and that's 1979, not 1879. <laughs> uh-huh. But, uh, no, I, I was there from 75 to 79, and one of my first lab partners, and my first lab partner was Tony Parker Sr., dad of the, the great Tony Parker wow. of the San Antonio Spurs. Uh-huh. So, you know, there's a, there's, there's a lot of loyal of basketball running through me, and, uh, you know, uh, I studied journalism and communications. There couldn't be more proud of the school. And you know what? This is a once-in-a-lifetime thing. And those of us in the uh, the journalism or media business don't get to be fans that often. But since I'm not covering them, I get to be a fan here. And that's so much fun. Has this helped you uh, reunite with any of the uh, your old friends or people uh, that maybe you haven't heard from in a long time? What, what do ramblers who've been away from the school for a while, uh, what are they doing? Do you have a secret handshake? Uh, what do you guys do? <laughs> we meet down at uh, Pippin's Tavern down on Rush Street oh, there by the Pippins. Water Tower sure, campus. Sure, great no, spot. Yeah. Oh, yeah, but uh, you know what? Uh, a lot of us have kept in touch over the years, those of us who worked in the, the, the radio station where I worked or uh-huh. on, the, on the newspaper. But, yeah, I've, I've heard from some people today. I wrote a column today in the, the Herald about being a fan, and I got a, an email from a gentleman who uh, graduated about the same time. And, you know, it's just a lot of pride in the school. You know, there, there's been so much. You read, like, national accounts, and you say, tiny Loyola. Wait a minute. We got 16,000 between graduate and undergraduate students there. And, you know, I just think it's a it's a nice discovery of a, of a wonderful school. And we have so many of them here. And, you know, I, I'd love to see when all the uh, Illinois and area schools are, are doing well. It was fun when, you know, Valparaiso was making a run. It was fun with Butler down in Indy was making a run. So and I'd love to see Loyola play DePaul every year. And so it's just uh, I, I think a lot for a lot of us, it's just like this uh, wonderment. It's like, how did this happen? You know, and, and Bruce, right. winning is a good thing, obviously. Winning is, is a reason that there's so much attention. But I think the cool thing is that there's so many different great stories in this team. The two, the, the backcourt from Kansas, who's known each other forever. Lucas Williamson, a freshman who wins a championship at Whitney Young and comes in. All these guys, Crutwig, who's downstate with Jacobs and people get a chance to see him and he stays in state. And now all of a sudden they're in the final four. There are so many great stories. It's almost like, you know, a lot of times you got one or two or three guys that are the focus. It's tough to focus on any one or two guys on this Loyola team. Yes, and don't forget Dante Ingram as well yeah, out of Chicago. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know what? And I think it's that way Some, because they play such a fun and a refreshing brand of basketball. They share the ball. They pass really well. And here's the other thing. It's hard to get kids to play defense in uh-huh. basketball. That's no fun. Defense is no fun. It's a lot of work. This team plays defense, you know, and, you know, I'm afraid so does Michigan as well. And that's got me a little bit worried, but it's hard to play defense. But yeah, you're right, Fred. There's so many great storylines here. And, uh, you know, between Porter Moser and Sister Jean and, and these, uh, these players here who, uh, have seemed to embrace the moment rather than being intimidated by it. So, you know, we'll see what happens tonight. Like I tell people, it's all gravy from here. But, boy, I'd like one more. <laughs> Visiting with uh, baseball expert Bruce Miles, Daily Herald, on the beat right now down in Miami with the Cubs, but graduate of uh, Loyola. I'm sure about 13 innings last, in about the 13th <laughs> inning last night, he probably wishes he was in San Antonio. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, man, I'm telling you. I think tonight, although I'll be writing about the, the Cubs playing the matchup defense or being on the fast break or whatever, I hope that doesn't happen when I have one eye on the basketball game. But, yeah, 
uh, a long one, guys, last night, uh, 20 punch-outs by the Cubs. Yeah, you know, we're already with the hot takes uh, about uh, you know what's wrong with here and there. It's one out of one sixty-two. I think it's the beauty of sports, but a little bit frustrating at times last night for for Cubs fans. But you know what a performance by Eddie Butler. Your, your starting pitcher turns in a quality start of six innings. Your reliever turns in a quality start of seven innings. So <laughs> you go to a ball game and you don't know what you'll see. Uh, Bruce, uh, oh, by the way, just one last thing. The Ramblers, so game one, we're all watching, you know, and maybe you guys caught it, and they're, uh, you know, playing Miami. And whoever, it wasn't the play-by-play guy, but the uh, fellow next to him, for a while there, in the middle of the game, he was saying, uh, well, you know, Miami's running into a tough crew here, Chicago. He just called the team Chicago. He didn't say Loyola. It was like they didn't even know. Did you guys catch it? Didn't even know who they were. Who, who they were? Oh, Chicago with the ball. What? Yeah, I mean, that's one of the things that's <laughs> kind of been amusing to a lot of us who were, were dealing with this. You know, that in the whole like we're, we're a Division three small school someplace. Yeah. We're right, we're Loyola's <laughs> a mid major, but it's a it's a pretty good world renowned school with campuses all over the world, and you know the the hospital and. You know, in the old days, we used to turn out every dentist in Chicago. So, right. uh, yeah, uh, maybe by uh, by Monday night, if we're, we're still lucky to be in it, they'll all have it right. Well, Bruce, you're always nice enough for a few minutes, and we'll steal you for about two, three, four more minutes since you did watch. the. And maybe people are starting to just wake up now. Cub fans had stuck it out for the five hours and 18 minutes. It's just one game. I understand that. It is very disappointing when you look at the Miami 25-man, the Miami Marlins, you know, they're missing their four best players from last year. You know, they're all big leaguers, at least technically, because they're in the big <laughs> leagues, if you know what I mean. But it's very disappointing to see 0 for 7 Rizzo, 0 for 7 Baez, 1 for 7 Contreras, the 20 strikeouts, all the mistakes. As Fred mentioned, the, the rundown where, where uh, Caratini gave Just himself, himself up. up at the plate, Baez swinging at every ball, it's down and away into dirt. Uh, you know, it, it just makes you wonder about focus. Uh, you know, and again, I know it's just one game, but it's not a game to really be upbeat about at all, is it? No, not really. As other than the performances of, you know, Eddie Butler in the bullpen. And I know the bullpen has been a big question entering the season for two games anyway. It's looked pretty good. And, you know, we'll see if that holds up, especially with a guy like Justin Wilson, who had a horrible second half, but has, has, has looked good in spring training and early on. But yeah, uh, you know, you understand, you know, fans getting upset by seeing Baez swing out of his heels. Uh, at every pitch and, you know, uh, you know, Rizzo, that's going to happen. And, you know, Hayward hit into that double play, hit the ball hard, but just happened to hit it right at the first baseman. Uh, Caratini's still a young player. So there's a lot to sort out here. And you've got a new coaching staff here. And, and I think they'll get after it. Uh, the third base coach, Brian Butterfield, uh, very good on the base running. I'm sure he'll be in Caratini's ear uh, about that. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the hitting coach, Chili Davis, has got his work cut out with some of these young hitters. I mean, you fire a hitting coach who was a hitting coach of a world championship <laughs> team, John Maley, and yep. you bring in Chili Davis. Well, he's got some work to do, and it's going to be a work in progress. Joe likes to say these guys are still young, and, and they are, but they are experienced to, to some degree. So, uh, yeah, we'll see, you know, we'll see how they regroup after this and, you know, how it plays out, uh, over the next month. I'd like to have Memorial Day as kind of a benchmark where we see what, what, what kind of a team you got. He's a rambler. So here's what we need. Uh, Cubs game is what? About 
3.15 our time, Fred? No, but... no, today it's 6. Oh, well, what? well wait a minute now, Bruce. He'll, be, he'll, he'll watch the first half of that Loyola game. What the heck are you going to do? You got two things to well, watch at once. Well, I'll tell you what. I got an <laughs> iPad, and maybe we can talk to you, the fine staff of the Marlins that are turning one of those uh, TVs onto the Loyola game so I can keep one eye on the field and one eye on the court uh, and hope I don't mix my metaphors too much when I'm writing my story. I love it. He's a real rambler, and he is a Bruce Mouth. Bruce, uh, busy day. Thanks for a couple of quick minutes. Fans love hearing uh, your uh, your angle on your uh, Loyola Rambles. Thanks a million for your personal time, as always, Bruce. Talk to you guys down the road and go Ramblers. There you go. Ramble on. See there you, you go. <laughs> It's, 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 a, it's a great, it's a great thing too. It's a lot mm-hmm. of fun and the whole, the whole sister Jean thing. And I think that a lot of it, uh, she's probably taking a lot of the pressure off these kids and the kids can just sit and relax and enjoy it. There's so much media down there. And this is different. I was talking yesterday when I was filling in for Carmen and Yurko. This is different than all these other big events. Usually big events, big tournaments, the Super Bowl and World Series and playoff games. It's just two teams. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you have fans from two teams. The final four, wherever it is, you have fans from four different colleges all gathering and, you know, there's no, there's no real animosity. Uh, everyone seems to be getting along real well. JD was mentioning it down in, um, uh, San Antonio where he did the show from yesterday with me. And don't forget also the game starts. We've got the game later on today. Pre-game for ESPN National starts at 3.30. Okay. But Chris Black and Adam Abdallah, they're going to be here as soon as we're done at noon until 3.30. They'll get you ready for Loyola in Michigan, the Final Four. The other game tonight, Villanova, Kansas. And don't forget, we got the game on Monday night also. The final three games of the college basketball season right here on ESPN 1000. Vote right now, ESPN 1000, 332 if you want to vote on the radio, area code 312 ESPN poll uh, for this half hour is very simple. Loyola tonight, they A, beat Michigan, B, lose to Michigan. I guess you can vote with your heart or your head, but let's just see how you vote. Fred, a little number crunch in here, and I don't know if this has any viability, but let's do it anyway. So you, you sort of triggered me on this. Thursday or Friday, you mm-hmm. were filling in on one of the great shows here, and uh, you had a uh, note regarding uh, Michigan as a, uh, and their uh, their path. Here, I'll read their it. path to the Final Four. Yeah, I'll read it right out of the uh, stats uh, that we get here uh, at ESPN. We get a whole bunch of stats. It's tough to keep track of all of them, but Michigan mm-hmm. can be the first team to not play a single top five seed on their way to the national title game. Really? They will not have played. Anybody uh-huh. that's ever made the national title game has always played a one, two, three, four, or five before they got there. Well, here they played a 14, mm-hmm. game one. This is in order. Game one, a 14, then a six seed, then a seven, and then a nine. Yep. And now an 11. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that tweaked me or uh, peaked me to... So to do a little uh, similar number crunching, what I did was for the four finals here, and here, let me give you uh, a little copy of my three by five card here. That one says Fred. That uh-huh. must be yours. Yep. Okay. So Michigan, tonight's opponent, they played a 14, a 6, a 7, and a 9. Right. Loyola played a 6, a 3, a 7, and a 9. Uh-huh. Nova, 16, 9, 5, 3. Kansas, 16, 8, 5, 2. 
I don't know if there's any validity or you can even make a, a judgment on this, but I added them all up. In other words, who had the, I'll call it the uh, easiest, softest seed total? In other words, you add up the four teams' right. original seed. And uh, who might have the toughest seed total if you add them up? Well, Michigan, as you were on, adds up to 14, 6, 7, and a 9. 36. Yep. So they played seedings that added up to uh, 36. And the bigger the number, the weaker the team. Like you play a 16. and Usually, yeah. Well, I mean, yes, right. of course. Just just by the seeding we're going. But you're right. Seeding could be wrong. Exactly. Uh, next was Nova. Again, Michigan had a 36 sum. Nova, 16, then a 9, then a 5, then a 3. 33. A little easier than the 36. A little tougher, rather, than the 36. Kansas, 16, 8, 5, 2, 31. The toughest, by far, if you add up the four seeds, Loyola, a 6, a 3, a 7, and a 9. Michigan had the, the cream puff, 36. Nova, 33. Kansas, 31. Loyola, 25. Far and away, they played the tougher seeds throughout. I don't know if that's got any effect. I don't know if it means uh, the other teams were more rested because they could coast basically through the first game. Well, yeah, Villanova was winning all their games by double digits. Right. So, and Loyola play, had, you know, last minute shots in the first three games and then they actually, uh, you know, had a rather, relatively easy win in their last game against Kansas State. Mm hmm. So. 3 3 2 3 7 7 6. Again, it was just something I crunched out. Yeah. One, and, other, one other thing, us being here in Illinois, this is something that I think a lot of Illinois sports fans may not realize. Hmm. Uh, Loyola is the only school from the state of Illinois to win an NCAA national championship in either men's basketball, college football, or women's basketball. Wait, give me that. That's good. Give me that again. Loyola is the only school from mm -hmm. the state of Illinois to win an NCAA national championship in either men's basketball, college football, or Women's basketball. Now, this wow. is since the pole era in 1936 for football mm -hmm. and since attorneys started in 1939 for uh, basketball. So, Illinois is the only school in the state that has won since then. So, it's pretty amazing that they're, they're involved. You, you think DePaul, Northwestern, uh, you know, Illinois, all these kinds of things. And no, none of them, none of them have won in basketball, college football, or women's basketball except the Loyola Ramblers in 63. Did you know prior to, uh, March Madness what the Ramblers' colors were? I didn't. Oh, yeah, yeah, I did. You, you because a buddy of mine, Brian Wheeler, who does the play-by-play uh, -play for the Portland Trailblazers, we worked, worked with him at Sports Phone, and uh, we used to go to Loyola, and after uh -huh. the team would practice in the old gym, after the team would practice, we would get to play and pick up games on the court. So I, I knew what their colors were. Yeah. It's actually gold and maroon, not yellow, but right. it looks maroon and whatever. gold. Yeah, right. or yeah, I mean, it's a dark yellow, but a gold, that's fine. Yeah. I don't get much comment, rightfully so, on things I say on the air. Uh huh. Maybe also like when I leave here at noon, I can't remember what I said. I hope it was okay. Sometimes it might be. I got comments on the little story I told about Dad's first car. Right. The Rambler. The 1951 Nash Rambler. Uh huh. And I didn't even think about it till you you said because oh yeah he had uh like a yellow uh, and maroon back in the right. days of two-tone cars 
It was a Rambler. And those were their colors. And you said, wait, what was the colors? Yeah. Maroon yeah. and gold, yellow. maroon and yellow. Yeah. 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 So uh, I'm going to say uh, it's an omen. You know, Dad's car. It rusted out in three years, and he kept it for eight. But that's that's the way things were back then. Three three two three seven seven six. Murph and Fred go ramble on. Uh, at the bottom of the hour, uh, we're going to play a great uh, tribute, a little uh, mini mix tonight. It'll be you, hey you, Darvish. Eric Ostrowski's been busy uh, in the back room working on that. A quick note. So, you know, Len Casper. He's, <laughs> this is a. Sometimes it, I just go, what? Oh, have you noticed this, Fred? And you notice everything. When you're listening on, uh, to a radio call, a TV call, to a baseball game, and this is across the board. Almost everybody. So uh-huh. it's not like this guy, that guy, oh, Murph, you know. And I can't say I, I would do it any differently, maybe. But when there's a home run, have you noticed this? No one ever says home run. Ever. 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 Uh, they usually say stuff like it's out of here no. or that one's right. gone. Oh, no. I mean, even then, the, the follow-up. Huh. That was his third bomb of the year. Third round tripper. That was his third one of the year. Yeah. Uh, Matt Davidson. Uh-huh. So the third home run call, and this is very common, again, not to point at any, you know, that's that's, that's gone. That's, that's his third one of the day. I always thought home run was sort of dramatic. It doesn't have to be right then, but maybe when he's coming around to home. That was his third home run right. of the year. They don't... For some reason, they won't say homer or home run. Well, I'll listen today as the yeah. White Sox hit six more. There you go. And. Okay, so Len Casper. This is weird. You, you you missed last night's call, too. We'll see. I, I don't know if Eric Ostrowski can get it, but if he can find the call from. Uh, the Bryant? No, the Milwaukee Brewers call last night. Oh. Uh, because. Because Bob Uecker said, uh, the swing by Braun and a miss. Oh, what? <laughs> he missed yeah. the miss, and it wasn't a miss. Okay. And uh, so if Eric can find it, it'd be right. fun. It's a it's a great call. I was going to mention it to him earlier. So not last night in the Cub game where this came up about trips to the visits to the, the mound. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this one confused the hell out of me. You, some, you mentioned this to me upstairs. Well, I don't know. I don't think I did. This is in the uh, pre-show love fest, oh. right? So game one. Oh, wait a minute. I got three things here. Okay, well, let's stay in there because we're running short on time. But, yeah, so last night, we all know there's this new rule, right? Six mound visits in the first nine innings. And then when the extra innings start, you can start, you get more. Yeah. You get a more uh, of an allotment. So last night, it's like six innings into the extra innings, and the Cubs had not had a mound visit. And I could have sworn Len said, well, they have six in their hip pocket now, as if, well, Joe can make six trips now in the, uh, you know, uh-huh. 15th inning or whatever and use them all up. I thought you got one per inning, but if you didn't use it, you lose it. He implied that if the game went 20 innings, you could have 10 or 11 mound visits in your pocket and go out every pitch for 11 times in a row. I yeah, don't, I, don't, I don't understand it. I'm not right. I'm not sure I understand it. I read it, and apparently you do get one for every extra inning, but that makes no sense but you at got, all to you, me. you get to squirrel them away like a squirrel putting uh, a, a, a nuts or a chipmunk uh-huh. putting nuts down in the hole. Yeah. I don't get Let's go to Riles uh, is next. Hey, Riles. Hey, hi, Fred. What's and, up, uh, um, hey, Mer- hey, Murph. Yeah. Um, I-, I wanted to bring up something about the mound visits. 
Sure. I think it's I, I think it's a vast improvement. You know, Contreras would go to the mound like once or twice an inning, and he hasn't been doing that. And, and I don't know if it's shortening the game, but it's it's made my uh, watching a lot more pleasurable. Oh yeah, and, yeah you're you're right about that, Riles. I haven't seen him going out there as much. Maybe he talks a lot more between innings and sets up what's going to happen instead of waiting till the next batter comes. Hey, up. Riles, good stuff. We're up against the clock. Fun again. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it very much. But how about this? No one talked about this after Cubs game number one. You know what's he? Chuck said, the reliever, uh, to the reporters after the game, he goes, we did not work on a lot of these signals, like uh, if we had a cross-up, what you get to do. So that, yeah. He said, we didn't work on a lot of that in the off-season. What know, the which, hell are you doing? If you want to, okay, like runner on second, you want to change the signals? You had seven weeks. Camouflage. That's what he said. If you want to camouflage. What the hell are these guys doing? Golfing? Let's go to, uh, hey, Landon, Murph, and Fred, Go. Hey, yeah, my big question, big concern is, you know, we talked, now everybody raves about these Power Five conferences. Now you see Loyola in there, who's from a mid-major, you might as well say it, even that big. Right. You know, when is the NCAA going to wake up and stop making excuses for Power Five and force these patty waste to play these mid-majors and just find out how big a panty waste the Power Five really is. Let the record show, Landon. I, you're a caller of the show. Fred and I get to come to your house and eat everything in your refrigerator because to use panty waste, not just once, but twice. I love it. Thanks, Landon. Landon brings up a great point. And even, even uh, Porter Moser mentioned it the other day that, uh, you know, you've got to give a look at some of these mid-majors. Look at what they've done. And look what other mid-majors have done in these tournaments. You can't just give nine to the SEC and eight uh, bids to the uh, ACC. It's just, it's just wrong. I mean, uh, somewhere, some way, they got to change it. Moser rhymes with poser, but he's not a poser. No, but he's people not. are saying Moser. But you, yeah, what? don't put that eye in there. He's not a Moser. <laughs> Joe Melrose Park on the air. Hello, Joe. Hey, uh, how you doing, Murph? Uh, We're both fine, hey. thanks. How far is the catcher allowed to go? Have they defined that yet? Like two steps, ten steps? I don't think they. The I don't it. think they thought of it because Joe didn't call the commissioner. That's a great question. If you walk out three feet and yell something in nah, front, front of home plate, is that a trip? I think if you come out of the grass, it's a, it's a trip. <laughs> uh, but but if Bryant like walks out of the grass as he flips the ball into him after throwing it around the infield, that's not a trip. And that's great, Joe. You're also calling the show, friend. They're coming to your house to eat everything in your refrigerator. Good call. Phone again. Gotta go. Oh, I clipped. <laughs> laugh. <laughs> All right. Minutes away from uh, M-I-C-C-U real soon. That's right. You Darvish real soon. It's ESPN 1000. Hope you have a great holiday weekend. Happy Easter, well, don't forget, Yeah, Don't forget we're done here at noon. It'll be Chris Black, Adam Abdallah. They go from noon till 3.30, getting you ready for Loyola and Michigan in the Final Fours. And by the way, real quick, yes. just because I was dissing them, I just want to let everybody know. Dishing um, or dissing? dissing? Everybody now goes dishing because well, it's, care it's what, not as mean-spirited. I don't, I don't care what anybody else says. <laughs> if I did, you'll hear it on What's Up, Fred's Can. Okay. Um, um, the White Sox do have a family Sunday package with
with the exception of the Cub game. $15 seats in the outfield, mm-hmm. $5 in the upper deck, and $10 to right. park. Cool. So their Sunday games, they should have 35000 every game. So, so we'll see if that happens. Thank you. You Darvish. Pitching for the Cubs, the much-talked-about, highly-anticipated first outing. Joe Madden says, well, I need a long outing out of him. I only got three bullpen guys that I really want to use today. So Because see. I was forced to pull uh, <laughs> pull Kyle Hendricks after 88 pitches because he was leading off the next inning. I couldn't I couldn't have him bad. I, Tommy LaStella's got to come up and strike out instead of having Kyle Hendricks strike out. What's up, Fred's can is later. Uh-huh. So... I'm thinking, what can we do to sort of talk about you? No, no, not us. Not me. No. no. You, Darvish. I'd rather not be talking and about And I'm thinking of this because every uh, Murph and Fred show, we usually end it. It's a thing from, from Disney way back in the day where uh, they would end the Disney shows. M-I-C. M-I-C. See you. Real soon. Well, uh-huh. we're going to see him at what? Five o'clock tonight, no, right? Six, six fifteen. Six first fifteen. Pitch. Yeah. We're going to see you uh, real soon. Yep. Which is okay. K e y y because we like like you, M O U S E. Anyway, love you. Right. We all love everybody. And then so then I was thinking, you know, we should do some like last year when Ian Happ before he was striking out six times and eight at bats. Ian, what did we have last? Oh, we can make it happen. One of my favorite right? groups. Yep. So here, Fred, let me let me hand you this little thing I worked on in EO eleven. Worked on. So I was trying to think of songs, you know, uh, that you know, see you real soon. Uh huh. You know, because the it's you Darvish right. day, right? Right. Everyone's jacked up. So uh, how about something like this? We put together a few. A group called the Kinks, uh-huh. right? Way back when. And you really the, got me going. And so tired of waiting for you. Uh huh. Tired of waiting. Tired of waiting for. Get it? You. you. Uh-huh. Oh, did you see what I did there? Waiting for you. All right. Then uh, <laughs> the next one. Not a big fan of it, but remember the Partridge? The huge hit. The Partridge family? Yeah. Was it David Cassidy and uh, uh, I Think I Love You? Yep. See, I think I like, get get it? Why uh-huh. you? I think I love you. Got it. I, what, what do we have next here? The Turtles. Number three. You, baby. Nobody but you. All right, you baby. All right. By the way, there's only about five seconds of each song, so it's not going to be like a big deal. Next, uh, oh, Frank Sinatra. Yep. It had to be you. Uh-huh. All right. All right, just a clip. It had couple, to be you we were going to give big money to. couple seconds. Yep. Oh, I like this one. Then the Beatles. P.S. I love you. You, you, you. All right. It works, right? Oh, Robert Palmer. Remember Bad Case of Loving You? Yeah, rest his soul. Uh, bad Case of Smoking Cigarettes, too. Doctor, uh-huh. Doctor, give me the news. Yep. Why? I got a Bad Case of Loving Who? You. Yes, we all love you. Frankie Valley, Four Seasons. Saw that one coming. Classic. I can't, I can't take, take my eyes, eyes off, off of you. Uh-huh. Uh, oh, Dusty Springfield. I only want to be with you. All uh, right. I may, I may or may not know that one. You'll know when you hear it. Okay. Northeast Open, when you were doing the show. Okay. Okay. Uh, Madonna. Her maybe one of her two, three biggest hits, Crazy for You. Okay. When I woke up this morning, you were on my mind. Uh Uh-huh. You've made me so very happy, BS&T, right? It's the best. How about Blue Oyster Cult? 
Burning for you. I'm burning, burning, burning for you, Darvish. Sinatra again. I got you under my skin. There's a there's a salve for that. <laughs> Been my favorite. Heart. Those gals. Yep. They love you. Well, they're you crazy. Know who. They're crazy for you. <laughs> they're crazy on you. All right, let's bring it in. EO eleven. Let's hear what you did here. Let's have a short little tribute today. It's you Darvish Day.
tribute to you. Well, see, what you did was... What did I do? You just made Gary Pressey's job a lot easier. Because <laughs> he just took all these down, wrote them all down, and every time you Darvish strolls to the hill uh -huh. for the Chicago Cubs, he can play a different one of these songs. I think I love you. Yeah. Uh, you know, P.S. I love you. Bad case of loving you. Mm -hmm, he can mm -hmm. play all these when you Darvish pitches for the Northsiders. Who would have thought Frank Sinatra's got you under my skin? Oh, never. What a... What a uh, Boy, he was just as, you know, he was thinking way in the future. I I, I didn't know heart that those gals uh, were crazy on you. Darvish. Yeah. <laughs> By the way. E great job. Eric Ostrowski putting that together. Anyway, try to have a that, was fun. One of, that was one of the best things I, I've ever heard Eric do. <laughs> no, he's done a lot of great things. That was awesome. No, it was perfect. Yeah, the the uh, it sounded awesome. The in and out each part right there. Great job. It's amazing. It's going to be on. It's going to be on his iPod now. Very nice, Eric. Uh, Murph and Fred going to catch up Just on hit a few that things. You button. Got some final thoughts. Hey, you. Yeah, what? <laughs> yeah, it was a great one. You missed. There's so many you missed because there's about, you in every song. I had about twenty more that. You know, didn't make the cut. Bachman, Turner Overdrive, better known as BTU, had a great yeah. song just called Hey You. See? Yep, I can see it. I can hear it now. I'm going to listen to it on the way home. Lovely Dana whipped up about 10 or 15 of those, and then she said, how come you didn't use them? Well, we, you know, it's we tried to make it only one minute long, and then by the time it stretched out a little bit. Thanks, Eric. And uh, don't worry, we will never play it again. Oh, thank goodness, Murph. It was a one-time thing. But if you would like a download, you can <laughs> you can always get it on the podcast, so you can listen to it then. Last chance to vote right now. Uh, earlier this week, our own JD, Jeff Dickerson, here's our Twitter poll for this half hour, graded the Bears. Uh, would you grade the Bears? We'll hold back what uh, JD said to not influence the uh, jury here. Vote right now. Grade the Bears free agent class so far. An A, a B, a C, or a D. And uh, we'll find out, Eric, did the fans say Loyola tonight uh, beats Michigan or loses to Michigan? Uh, do you have that up or should we take our break first, Eric? I got it. Scrolling. Okay. All right. Loyola, 60% believe they will beat Michigan tonight. Yes. I love it. You can vote in with your heart or your head. Or those 40% that think they won't. Boy, those girls from heart are crazy on you, aren't yes, they? Yes, they are. Back in a flash, last chance to vote right Anne now. And Nancy. And, really, they can they can belt it out. Yep. Murph and Freddie ESPN 1000. Busy Saturday. Mike Murphy, Fred Huber, Saturday's 9 till noon. Have a great uh, weekend, holiday weekend. Happy Easter. Anybody that's got things to do on their to-do list from mm -hmm. their wife or their girlfriend or they just got stuff to do, get it all done early. 5.09, it'll be the uh, Loyola game and tip-off yeah. against Michigan. If you're a soccer fan like me, uh, Chicago Fire take on Portland mm -hmm. at uh, Toyota Park. Because there's so much, I can't go to the game, so I'm watching that on my iPod or iPad today. Mm -hmm. Then the Cubs are at six ten in Miami, and the White Sox are at six fifteen in Kansas City. Yeah, what about you? Unbelievable! Darn watching it. four games, I'll be watching <laughs> throughout the course of the night. And uh, the White Sox, it's going to be um, in the sixties, and it's going to be in the sixties and. Um, Sunny today at the start of the Kansas City game with the White Sox. Tomorrow, 32 in snow. So a 30-degree temperature drop tomorrow for the White Sox. Uh, real quick, uh, Cubs 
Uh, with Stella, here's a guy. He's gonna. Here's my idea for Joe. I'm not my idea for Joe. Joe is gonna probably do this. He's gonna start with Stella one day a week at third, one day a week at first, one day a week at third, one day a week at first. Give uh, every two weeks a day off to Rizzo and Bryant. Zobrist, I think he's gonna start him maybe three days a week. A left field start, a right field, and a second base, and maybe on a second base start, uh, Baez goes to short. So every other week, Baez Russell get a day off. So I'm sure there's a lot of things coming. But last night. Uh, just very, very disappointing. So, hmm. yeah. Well, it's disappointing when you go zero for eleven with runners in scoring position. Oh. You oh. know, and you yeah. can't right now in two games. The Cubs are two for twenty-two with runners in scoring position. Uh, that is one of the things they tried to work on is put the bat on the ball. Apparently, Javi Baez. Anything he does in spring training, he forgets when the season begins yeah, because Chili Davis. They must have left oh him back my. in Arizona. I don't know. I don't know what Javi's swinging at, but he's just you know he he doesn't he, he swings really hard, and then other times he looks like he's up there. And he doesn't care. He just kind of half hearted his swings, and it's it's just mm-hmm. he knows what's going to come his way. Take the damn pitch if you can't hit it. If they're going to throw you yeah. a curve in the dirt, they know you're going to swing at it. Everybody in the face of the sister Jean probably knows that Javi swings and balls in the dirt. <laughs> And uh, idiotic to bet him in the eight hole, but uh, Joe worked that out. Joe figured that out eventually, I would hope. Hey, it's fun to project, you know. Uh, like after a one month, the guy's got five homers. Time saves, and the pace for thirty. Uh-huh. You know what, uh, uh, Matt uh, Davidson's uh, pace right now for homers? Was it five something? Four hundred eighty six. There you go, four eighty six. <laughs> one hundred six. That might set a record. Times three. Let's All I know is that he does, that that John Carlos <laughs> Stanton does not lead the baseball in home runs. It's Matt Davidson yeah, yeah. in three. He's on a pace for four hundred eighty six. Uh, let's bring in Eric uh, Strasky, EO eleven. Final uh, results on our final Twitter poll. Question was. J.D. talked all about it this week uh, as to give he gave a letter grade to the Bears. He said, uh, well, what the fans say? The Bears free agency. Free agency. Right. I'm sorry. Thanks, Fred. A, B, C, or D to the fans say on the Bears? Uh, with uh, the lowest percent with 4% is a D. Mm-hmm. Uh, 13% is a C. 26% is an A. And the majority with 57% give the Bears free agency class a B. That's what J.D. said. Yeah, that's what I would say, too. Good job, Eric. Uh, Aaron Lynch, uh, edge rusher, the uh, uh, three receivers, the two, uh, the tight end, uh, Burton, the two wideouts. But uh, we'll be talking more about bu- I, I I've actually kind of bummed out. I thought Kendall Wright is the guy that actually could have played for this team. He just signs with uh, Minnesota yesterday. And we're still waiting on Cam Meredith. What's going to happen? Is he going to play for the Bears or is he going to be somewhere else? You know, I like that guy. In- was it Ingram? No. Uh, yeah, receiver. Inman. Thank you. Yeah. He got lost in the shuffle. I think he's a fourth or fifth guy, don't you? Yeah, I don't know what he's doing. I don't know if he was a free agent or if he's uh, back for another year. Oh, we year. don't have? I thought that I'm not sure it. if he was a two-year deal or what it was. Yeah. So. All right. We'll find more out when football gets, rolls around. The draft coming up in less than a month. Okay. Go Ramblers! want to thank our guests for today, Jesse Rogers, Steve Greenberg, and uh, Bruce Myers. Lots of Rambler talk. Yeah, and uh, thanks to Eric Ostrowski for all of his help. Don't go anywhere. Chris Black, Adam Abdallah from noon till 3.30. And then uh, you can tune in as they preview Loyola and Michigan right here for the Final Four. Murph and Fred saying thanks for listening. Thanks for calling. Go Ramblers. See you later, everybody. See you tonight. Sister Jean, we broke your bracket. Oh, thank God. M-I-C.